Welcome to the Safety Doc Podcast with author, radio host, and nationally recognized safety expert, Dr. David Perodin. Join us each week as we discuss the best and most bizarre practices in safety preparation and crisis response. Follow Dr. Perodin on Twitter at SafetyPhD. And remember, the truth will keep you safe. Whoa, Rick, check this guy out. He's really, he's got a lot going on for him. Silence, Morty. Good. Safety Doc Podcast. We are welcoming um, Lee Jarvis to the show from the state of Tennessee. Now, Lee and I have been in contact for the last uh, couple months about putting a show together. Um, Lee has vast knowledge in intellectual property. Uh, we think about intellectual property as, you know, you take a picture and you use it somewhere and someone, you know, ask you, hey, do you have permission to use that photo or do you have permission to use this this video clip or whatever? Um, we, we see it all the time with um, with, with um, claims against, you know, uh, especially third party, um, you know, coming forward with claims on this. So this is a big thing. We also had a bill, right? The, the CARES bill. And this is this is coming through right now with some um, components for digital copyright. So we want to make sure that we have that, um, you know, kind of fleshed out. So, so uh, disclaimer from the start: um, Lee um, and I are not attorneys. All right, um, we are not. That is not our thing. All right. So my roommate Nate and I were supposed to play in the Sega Genesis um, Super Bowl, which would have been hosted by the Stevens Point Public Access. And what happened is the Stevens Point Public Access, um, we got there, we got the, the Sega hooked up, everything was ready to go. And then they said, oh, we can't we can't do this because it would be copyright infringement. So there's the last minute. Now, if you're wondering how that game turned out, I did win it, 55 to 48 with a last second throw to Sterling Sharp for a completion. I was able to run out the clock and that was in the year 1994. But yeah, we couldn't televise it. So we, we learned about that. Um, so let intellectual property, um, what we're going to talk about today, and I'll, I'll, I'll leave, give an introduction of his background. We're, we're going to talk about today is what is intellectual property? Um, why was it made? What does it cover? You know, as far as copyright, patents, we know that patents expire faster than copyrights and trademarks, for example. Um, I'm working on a trademark right now for some content for my book. It expires in like three years. You have to re-up trademarks, but copyright is different. Problems with IP. IP wasn't really designed for um, the internet age. So what happens? Um, so yeah, it is. It is definitely. It's definitely looking um, like you know we are out of out of touch right now with contemporary IP. How can you improve intellectual property? Or for example, fair use. People think if they claim fair use on something they can use it, right? Fair use is a defense once you get to court. <laughs> so you just can't put it up as a shield and say, well, this is fair use. You can't sue me. Um, you know, a judge would make a determination on fair use. So Lee's going to talk about that. Um, how can we improve intellectual property? Um, how can we make the system better? Because what's happening is um, there's more and more software that goes through and scrolls web pages and videos and things like that. And it, it matches little clips, right? So if you stream something, if you have a photo, if you had a photo that is is copyrighted, you don't own the copyright. Now that that'll show up um, 
So what are the consequences if we don't address this? And then also, what's the latest? There's a bill, you know, right? And Senator Tom Till's um, Digital Copyright Act of 2021, take down, stay down. What does that mean? But welcome here to our show, all the way from Tennessee in the United States of America, our good friend, Lee Jarvis. Lee, welcome to the Safety Doc Podcast. Uh, the, uh, how's the audio? It's good. There all you right. go. I okay. switched from the RTX to the hardware. All right. Again, you know, um, you know, there's there are some um, complications um, with with communications right now in the state of Tennessee. That's where Lee is at. But it looks like we've got um, we've got this clear. Jeremy um, heard about this bill. Thanks. So, Lee, tell us about yourself. Well, I'm a forty-something. I'm a disabled forty-something with just a lot of interest in technology and. How some how some laws are supposed to work but don't work the processes of things. I've always kind of been interested in intellectual property because they've changed things almost every five or ten years. In the nineties, um, you could make backups of anything. And in the in the two thousands, that got re reduced to certain things with the caveat that you can't break. Uh, digital copy protections in order to make a backup of the stuff you buy. Oh, right. That's right. DMCA, the Digital Millennium Copyright Act. So, so Lee, what is, um, just give us a, an understanding here. What is intellectual property? And, and I guess I'll give a little feed into that because, you know, people use, you know, different images for podcasts or blogs or, um, you know, in, in newsletters and things like that. What is what is intellectual property? Um, it, 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 yeah, give us give us an example of how that's defined. To keep it as simple as I can, it's you owning a unique idea. Patents deal with devices, but copyright deals with more general, broader subject matter like literature. And such, the more common or the more kind of vague it is, the harder it is to copyright. But as systems and process gets more easy to find things, that common usage is going to peak out fast. It's going to hit a peak fast. So, so when I'm thinking about intellectual... Um, property. So if somebody takes a picture, they own the rights to that picture. Is that correct? But then if they upload it to like for Google. The most part, for, the, for the most part, yes. If you have two people taking a picture of the same thing and it's the exact same image, but one's copyrighted, you may have some strangeness going on, especially if the photographer is really so happy. But most of the times, a lot of those pictures are very unique. So they're hard to duplicate or replicate by just anyone with an equivalent, you know, camera. So, you know, we talked about, too, um, you know, it wasn't that long ago when people might go onto YouTube, they would be streaming a Nintendo game, and then they would get contacted by, you know, themselves playing Nintendo against someone, and they'd be contacted by Nintendo saying, hey, um, you know, knock that off, take it down. It's, it's um, 
So, so tell us about that because I, I see a lot of those on, things online. On YouTube, Nintendo, uh, Sega, Nintendo and Sega are two of the most litigious that have been the most litigious for against streamers. But this was when Let's Play was big. So we're talking five, ten years ago. Okay. Basically, people streaming streaming a game, and Nintendo wants control over that distribution. But over time, Nintendo's wised up to this whole streaming thing, and they don't do it as much, but they still kind of do it. A lot of other uh, game companies, they don't, they're, they're not as fussy. No. So, yeah, I, I've seen, I, I know a couple of my friends who stream, you know, live, like Grand Theft Auto and things like that. Uh, but I wasn't aware that, you know, Nintendo was jumping in um, and, and telling some people to knock it off. Um, so how about, you know, how about right now? Um, there was a bill, it what was it the Prince dancing baby. Can you tell us about that? Because, um, I've that seen was, that image on people's websites and things like that. Um, what was that all about? Oh goodness. Let's see. Well, let's see. I believe it started in 2007 and oh Lord. Anyway, it started in 2007, and it ended in, like, 2017. Basically, I got kicked back between the courts to figure out, well, is it infringing? Is it not infringing? It took them something like 10 years to figure out, and the Supreme Court wouldn't touch it. They, wouldn't, they, they don't want to know what fair use is. Go ahead. Oh, yeah. So, so this ended up as... as um... I mean, a lot of people had had this image they were using, right? Either on, on web pages or sharing back and forth, and it's basically just a baby dancing around to this this. I don't know if it was a Prince song or whatever a movement. And then, um, yeah, you said it took ten years for this to be resolved, and I saw it was just kind of resolved recently. Um, but yes, so I mean, what does it mean for like someone like me if I were to have that on one of my blog? pages or my website or something like that how do i know what the ruling is what am i supposed to do I mean, what, what's your thought on that some of this has already been trotted out in the courts so they know that it's not going to be an instant win but if the laws change they have an opening to try it again with somebody somebody is always the test case every few years someone's a test case like in the mid-2000s uh, I'm pretty sure it's the mid 2000s, but some of the uh, music industry found someone who was sharing music and they sued them for 150 grand. I think it got knocked down to like 70 grand, but they're still on the hook for that. And this was back like in the Napster LimeWire days? I think it was a bit past then, that. Okay. So when they sued this person, this was like a quote-unquote typical person, right? This wasn't somebody downloading all of this and then redistributing it and making money and stuff like that. Allegedly, right? This would be a typical layman who they're like, you did this. We have the well, IP records. The, um, the newer file sharing technology is you're downloading something while uploading bits. You're uploading and downloading to try and get a swarm of information. So... Receiving it is harder to um, harder to sue over than you know distributing it. The law tends to focus on distribution. So if you if they can find that you're distributing, then they can come after you. 
Okay, so so that's really the in, intent. So you mentioned this person um, who they sued for like seventy thousand dollars. To your knowledge, were they distributing it then, or were they just downloading it? Well, that's that that's of a torrent well, stream. Well, that's that that's the thing. See, in this swarm of data, it's you're downloading a little bit and you're uploading a little bit. Okay. So you're not exactly. It's decentralized, so you're not exactly a site that's trying to spread this information. You're just some random person downloading bits of information. I have a, I have a comment uh, from Jeremy Arthur in the, in the chat, and he says, going back to the gaming discussion, it would seem that game companies would want people to share their experiences with their consoles. Is that is that kind of your take right now? You know, you said like Nintendo and Sega, especially well, Nintendo is kind of backed I off. I would think that the old adage, any advertisement's good advertisement. Yeah. So when it comes to Nintendo, Nintendo has always been insanely litigious. They went after uh, game copying in the uh, 90s. So they've always tried to be ahead of the curve in some ways just to protect their, you know, their distribution of their IP. Right. We've kind of gotten to a middle point where a lot of companies aren't really looking at, you know, Twitch and YouTube as quote unquote, uh, infringers. But there again, if law changes a little bit, that means that there's blood in the water. And what I'm thinking, Lee, you know, from our discussions and, uh, you know, Leo and I have, have talked extensively, shared a lot of information is, is, you know, we, we, there's a creation now of these new algorithms or these new scrubbers, which I'll call them, which are going through web pages, old YouTube videos, videos you have up on different, you know, like your website or whatever. It could be something from 10 years ago. And if they're matching content, right, then there, there's this new third party interface, which has kind of come to, to life. And these third parties then were, are jumping in and saying, hey, like, you know, you stream this Nintendo video, um, this Nintendo game, you know, narrated at whatever back in, you know, 2007, and you owe $800, stuff like that. Um, so so I think this is, as you said, going, going like from this point forward, I know people who stream games, and it seems like that's largely accepted by the industry. I also know people who have gotten... Um, approval to to do this, um, but but yeah, I, I I think there's also this weird review mirror of like, whoa, I streamed something, you know, like back and whatever, and now these scrubbers and streamers, or, or these these scrubbing devices, right, are going back through all of these web pages and all of these videos, and they're trying to match things up, and so it gets to be this real weird forensic process of hey, like you know, you did this ten years ago. And you post this, like, I don't even have the links to that website anymore. I don't even know the password. I, I thought I'd, you know, I took that down. It was like with Homestead or something like that, some free website. So, um, you know, what are, what are your thoughts on, on, I guess maybe this is the whole thing too, of like why IP doesn't really work in modern times. Before I get to that, Carl H made a pretty good, ha had a pretty good statement. If yeah, you Carl. Just grab someone at random and decided to throw them up against the wall. Not quite random, but yeah, 
Carl, our friend from New Jersey. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I, I thought, so I remember, you know, the, as, as we do, Napster and LimeWire, right? The, you know, um, the networks and, so you uh, could just download. RIAA was going absolutely insane over it. And, and that was, it was just crazy, right? And, and I re also remember then um, you'd read these articles about some individual being sued and then, you know, ultimately whatever, settling or something, but it was just someone that they made an example out of, like Carl said. Um, so I, I, I guess, yeah, lead us up to that because I'm, I, I, I'm seeing with more of these scrubbers, for example, people are contacting me and saying, or I'm, I'm becoming more aware of it of saying, hey, like we had, I was notified of something I put on a blog seven years ago or something, you know, that we streamed and, and there was something in the background and now there's this third party coming after me. And um, I guess with, you know, LimeWire and Napster, people should have should have known, obviously, when you're doing that, that that's illegal content, but, or illegally obtained content. But um, so, yeah, what is what is your thought? Are people being kind of singled out saying, hey, you're <laughs> we're going to come after you? And or is this like going to the robot or not the robots, but the algorithms are going to make this more common where people are going to be getting these notices left and right? As long as it's an official part of the IP owner and licenses and whatnot, I think what we'll see is they will attempt to find it and then try in some way to negotiate with you, even though the way they negotiate is heavy-handed, but they'll try a way to work with you before they move it to the courts. It's really going to be up to the courts to figure out, you know, what's grandfathered in and what needs to be dealt with. And I almost want to say that the way things are going, we're going to be looking at reverse class action suits. Tell us about that. What do you mean? Where thousands of people are, are infringers, so they're all bundled together and they pay, you know, five, ten, twenty, fifty, a hundred bucks each. I mean, if if the law will allow that, that is. I'm not one hundred percent sure if the law will allow that, but it sounds logical. I mean, that's what a class action is, where you know, hundreds, thousands, millions of people gather together to sue this one giant entity. Well, the reverse could could come into, you know, existence. Well, go down that rabbit hole a little bit more because I'm, I'm trying to figure out what that might look like. Okay, so, oh, let's say uh, uh, BGM, the one that tried to do a Christmas album that had copyright stuff in it. You know, they're a huge, they're a huge publisher of copyrighted music. And, you know, they've been found to infringe on copyright. But let's say they they have you know compiled data of from various services and from from various services like scrubbers or just websites and whatnot, and they've compiled the data and they moved to class action. If there is a process for reverse class action, I am not one hundred percent sure about the law, but if there is, this may well become a thing where a giant corporation sues, you know, thousands of people who have done minor infringement. And then all of a sudden they're on the hook to pay petty to not so petty cash out to the industry for infringement of the laws that are very vague and. Okay. 
So, so you're talking about these laws, vague and wonky. So here, here's a misperception I believe many people have um, that, so, you know, fair use does exist and there are conditions where somebody can claim fair use. For example, you know, if they're using it for um, educational purposes, if they're using it for satire or critique. So like if they're showing a clip of a video and they're anal they're saying, you know, the director did this, I'm critiquing how the director set up this, this frame in a video and things like that. So you're actually, you know, analyzing, critiquing the video or, or the picture or so forth. Um, so, so that's one aspect. Another part is like, there's a scholarly part of um, fair use, meaning if you're using this um, for quote unquote, scholarly advancement. Education. Yeah, I think they're separate though. I think there's an education component and there's a scholarly component. Um, but as you said, like who really knows and what are examples? And I, I I think people believe if I get called on something, right? If I get called on this post on my blog or this thumbnail for my YouTube video um, or whatever, um, I'll just take it down, right? No harm, no fall. And, or else I'll just say, I did this under fair use. I this was uh, not meant to, or I think another one is if you're using it for newsworthy purposes. But the I thing is, people don't, use. yeah, no, people don't re realize, right, Lee, that fair use is determined by a judge. It's not for the most part because it's so vague. But so, also, there's you know, there's you know how things are going right now. I would say that you are okay trying to critique things and using, you know, a, a decent amount of something, but not, you know, running it back to back, trying to, you know, break up the content where, it sh where you can kind of show that you're not trying to show the whole thing, the whole product. I think that right now that, that is kind of easily protected, but, we're moving to a point to where, you know, fair use, news, education, all of that is up to a judge. Right. Right. And that's and that's the point I think people miss on this is that, you know, if if somebody comes, uh, you know, af after you, I guess, and makes a claim on this, and you, you claim fair use. It's like, OK, either they're going to press it. And I and I believe small claims is pretty expensive for most of these, but um, or else. If it does go to small claims, it'll be a judge who will say, yes, your, your, I guess, defense of fair use is valid or not. And I think people are under, I, I say this because I, I teach school administrators and they re regularly get notifications in their schools because schools have a lot of web pages and, you know, third grade websites that are up and things like this. And, and there are images which are copyrighted, which get posted. Um, and, and then, the school get notified by one of these third party groups saying, hey, you have these images and you have to take them down. And not only take them down, you also have to pay us this fee of $800 per image or something. I've seen these, like they've brought these in and showed them to me. And of course they're saying, well, we're a school and, and whatever. And, and for the most part, they, they don't respond to these things. But on the other hand, some do. Some are like, okay, we owe $2,400 because three pictures were up that were copyrighted. So we took them down and we just paid, $2,400 in this really weird format, right? You have to pay like in Bitcoin to some place in another country using only like money order. <laughs> it's the most, you know, all these things that you're like, 
once you get down this, you know, these things get to be really convoluted of how you're supposed to pay somebody. But yeah, you know, people do it, right? Because they're afraid. They're afraid that they're going to be, you know, sued. And, and so also, Lee, how do you, how do you recommend people verify that they're just not part of a scam? You know, a target of a, a recipient of a, of a extortion email, you know, versus like, um, you know, I, because I, I guess what I'm saying is that's happening right now a lot. Mm-hmm. Is our people are receiving these emails from especially these third party, you know, companies saying, hey, this was on your website. Um, now you owe, you know, this amount of money to make it right. And people are like, well, whoa. So walk, walk me through your thoughts on that. Uh, like if somebody listening here was to get that, you know, Mictibus, for uh, example, was to yes, get that email uh, tomorrow from this company saying, hey, Mictibus, on your website. Hmm. Yeah, you, uh, had, yes, um, you had an image of, you know, whatever here, the Grand Canyon. And we know that this matches an image that was taken by, you know, Bacon Maldito and who copyrighted you it. Name, so, you take their number, even location, and you look it up. That, that'll help you, you know, trying to figure out a little bit of what they are. Once you figure out kind of what they are, then you move to the next step of seeing if they have any valid claims, you know, Google search searches and whatnot. Right. I mean, I'm reminded of problems we had 10 or so years ago with the robocalls. You know, uh, uh, you, you would get a robocall and they would be recording for affirmative statements like, yes, uh-huh, and such. So they could bind you to a contract. Right. It's a gray area in law that can be used to potentially profit. Of course, these are almost, well, no, they're all, they're all pretty much trying to scam you out of money. But of course, you've also got the scrubbers that aren't exactly doing due diligence and they have public domain stuff listed in their scrubbers and they send out copyright warnings over the public domain stuff and you have to show them that you're using public domain i was i had a a fallout 4 video with some old um oldies music on it and it was in the public domain but i was still hit for something so that brings up a question in the chat uh mictbis wrote Makes me wonder how all those old amateur fitness channels my wife watch are allowed to play recent popular songs as their background music and stay up. Like, any thoughts on, is it just because the scrubbers haven't got to them yet, or? Well, I hate to say it, but Twitch, a Twitch and YouTube are kind of similar in that if it's not too dicey, not too spicy, and it's making money, They'll ignore it until there's a precedent to, uh, you know, nuke it from orbit. Okay. They let a lot of things go because, you know, it's a big nebulous system. You can't exactly fault them because Section 30 pretty much <laughs> gives them a lot of protection. Or at least I think it's Section 30. Section 20? Yeah, that's Section 230? Yeah. 230. So what I'm seeing, what I'm seeing is different. Though, um, so what I'm seeing is right. If, if if I upload a video to to YouTube, and I pay for a, a company, I have a, a license for the audio um, tracks. So 
But every once in a while, like YouTube will flag it and say, like, this is copyrighted audio. And then I need to go. There's a process with the company I work with. And they say, okay, if you get a copyright claim, let us know then and send us a track and we'll resolve it. And they do. It's real fast. But hopefully, um, at least for, you know, quote unquote, legitimate stuff that they'll kind of make a process to where you can put in your license information and and kind of it won't hit you as much. So is it possible, Lee, that, you know, you you could use something that was not copyrighted um, three years ago. So you, you, use, you use an image that you, you know, pull off of a site which identified it, I guess, as being in the public domain, free for use. And between that, the time you use that and now, someone has gone in and copyrighted that image. Um, and now suddenly you're getting a notice. You're like, well, when I use this, like it was public domain and now suddenly it's copyrighted. What's, what's the risk of something like that happening? Generally, when something's in the public domain, it kind of stays there. What you have is something new that's somewhat similar that, but regardless, like if you took a picture of, something with a copyrighted image in it. It's in the background. Well, this company is making money off finding these images and suing people because this image is being distributed. The courts are going to have to test it. The courts, I don't think it would get far, but the way things are going, they might default to the letter of the law. You're distributing that's all that matters. Right. And and this can come in play with like, you know, you know, we're thinking this these are big groups, big companies who are being targeted, but it, it could be individuals, right? And it could it could be someone who's used a, a graphic on their church bulletin. Anything that's copyrighted. Right. Anything. Anything. Uh, John made an interesting oh, he made an interesting uh, comment about it being is it on social media? It's anything you distribute. Anything you distribute can be copyrighted. Right. Okay. Wow. So give me your th- give me your thoughts. You, you wrote about complicated law, banned accounts, blocked content. So yeah. Um, wh- what are your thoughts on, on that? And again, as people are listening to this. And thinking, whoa, how does this affect me? Like, how does this affect how I should put together my blog, my channel? What if I'm streaming, you know, part of something in my channel as a as a critique of it? Like, or historically, like now, do I have to go back through my work? What, what do you, what do you, what do you see with IP and current times and how it's starting to manifest in kind of this this very unusual way? Well, how it's working today, it's a bit lopsided and nebulous and vague. It's not great, but we can do some things to protect ourselves. If your business depends on it, I would suggest that you use the least amount of it that you can, especially if it uh, specifically for review, critique, whatnot. 
if it's just adding a little flavor to something, you're probably better off not using it at all. So when we think about what's IP, you know, the, the first thing I think about is pictures, right? But it's more than pictures. What else? Anything, any kind of unique idea. Patents deal with devices. Copyright deals with literature, images, videos, sound, music. If it's copyrighted, then the copyright owner has near absolute control over its distribution. There are a few instances where you can override that, like with the first sale doctrine, which allows us to resell the stuff we buy. Of course, we don't buy much these days. We're on subscriptions or licenses, but that's to deal with today's nonsense. But Oh, Lord, brain fart. But in order to, you know, less is more. We need to be careful about what we use. If it's, I don't think that right now, this minute, if you just, it, it, you know, if we had a repeat of Prince's dancing video, it would, it would just be, you know, removed. Or, or, if well, Prince was pretty litigious to take just about everything down, but if they just wanted to claim it, it could stay up and they would get the ad revenue for it. Okay. Which is kind of what we see often on YouTube. Yeah. You'll get a strike for something or not a strike, but you'll get a claim and then you can okay it or you can remove the audio or whatever is the offending proportion of the video. Okay, so there's a there's a comment by um, Jeremy Arthur. Uh, so sharing the content is infringement. Personal use is okay. Um, what's your any any takes on that? Let's see. So I guess, and Jeremy, maybe if you can elaborate on that a little bit. But I'm I'm assuming like you know if if it's ah. an image or something you download and you're not distributing Personal it. Yeah. Okay. I see, I see it. I mean, uh, there's a lag in my head. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no. Yeah. I mean, maybe it's just something really cool that you want to study more or some like, you know, that, well, that, personal that usage, you know, you know, you're not distributing it. You just have it. See the, right. the copyright IP law. Well, copyright deals strictly with distribution and you have a smartphone, therefore you're a distributor. So you better watch what you say. But I don't think we have to worry about that yet. But that is a possibility. Yeah, that they could trace that you've downloaded the image or whatever. But I'm kind of with you. I think that's pretty far out there. Unless well, someone know, has whatever, gone into you know, image, copyrighted image that you might have, you know, when you share uh, something with somebody else or you say a sentence that's from something that's copyrighted, the system can, oh, oh, look at this. You know, this is infringement. So, you know. Now what? Wow. So give me give me your thoughts on um, okay, first of all, uh, and I've seen this in, in the chat a little bit, but um, if you were to receive Carl yourself, something tomorrow from a third party company, we've talked about some of them out there. I won't talk about any of them by name, but you receive something from a third party company saying, hey Carl, like you posted this on 
a website or in a newsletter or whatever, it's copyrighted and you need to take it down. And also you need to pay us $1,000 because you've done this. And it's a third party, right? So this isn't the, not it's not necessarily the owner of the image. And you're like, whoa, um, this is different than YouTube because on YouTube, if I violate, I get a notice and it's usually, you know, do you want to edit this out? Yes or no. Or else like the video is not monetized or whatever. It's not this heavy handed thing of YouTube saying, by the way, you've just been fined a thousand dollars. How would you respond to that? If that, if that notice came to you and it, you know, again, well, it's take a name and number and try and figure out what they are. But I would also share this with the local police. I am not sure what departments, because we're kind of in new territory, but I know they have um, just general scam, you know, a department that deals with scam and whatnot. So you could, you know, talk to them about it. Okay. So I, I think the, you know, maybe one of the takeaways here is, um, in, in some of the research that I've done is there's a large net cast, right? Because it it doesn't cost much now to have these software programs go through page after page after page on the internet. And if they make a match, then, you know, they find out who owns the, the page that that's on, the website or whatever. And then they send out an email or a letter um, and, and making this request for this, not only to take this down, but then this, this payment of a large amount of money. Um, so, I mean, if, if you're getting something like that, I would, you know, I, I would guess five, 10% of the people pay that right off the bat because look at how, you know, it, uh, I, I, I just believe that there is a large level of, of compliance with that. I mean, one out of 10. Oh I would, yeah. I would, I oh, would yeah. Guess. That's how scammers get by is that one to 10% yep. that actually fall for it. And, and people are like, I don't, Okay. And, and um, so I think it's educating people of, of those types of things. And then um, I guess if, yeah, you can always, um, you know, try to locate if it was the original, um, you know, owner of whatever. But I think I think good advice, right, is always take something down if you're made aware of it. Somehow, you know, if you're using an image that you thought was not copyrighted or someone provided it to you and, and um you know, you were again under the impression that it wasn't a copyrighted image, and then you're notified that it is. Um, you know, take it down immediately. But, um, but I, but again, I'm very leery of of these companies coming out and saying, "Yeah, you owe whatever." Because again, I see these you know, school districts getting hit with this um, consistently now because the scrubbers are are getting better. The technology is getting better, so they're just going page after page after page and finding these things, and people saying, "Well, I'm just going to pay it." And that doesn't mean there's another company out there, right? <laughs> that all these companies work together. There could be like a hundred companies and they all find the same thing and send the same exact notice. Um, so what, what can we do to fix this system? I mean, how can we get, how can we make IP? With the, so system, with the system we have put hard definitions in fair use. So you, so you have the normal fair use now, but you have a hard, amount, a percentage of time that you can use 
or you have uh, time and quality percentages. So if it's like very, very, very low quality, it's not going to compete with a copyright owner. If it's small snippets of the whole thing, it's not going to compete with the copyright owner. These would at least give us a buffer, but it doesn't fix the inherent problem of the nebula system based on distribution. Right, because it's owning and then it's distributing. So how how would how would you propose this be fixed? Because um, here's here's what I see. Here's what I see. If this isn't resolved, the the technology is just going to um, exponentially improve, right? So these third party companies, for example, are going to find more and more things that that potentially violate copyright. They'll be notifying people. There might be people who are summoned into court, so forth. Um, That's why I say that it might evolve it, into a reverse class action. It, it could go right over the top of the dam, right? We could all of a sudden in small claims court have 100,000 claims for copyright and it would just log jam the system or, or, or block the system. It would basically destroy it and people would be terrified of anything that's IP. Um, well, it's kind of like the pot laws. I mean, it's a pretty, I mean, you can say what you will about it, but there's so many people that are in the system, you know, you know, the system is spending so much money on, on it that do we really need to have this, have laws on this? Because the system can't handle the cost burden. Right, right. Because you'd almost have to create like a, a, a specialized court just to handle I mean, you're, you're creating a new a kind of you're basically creating a new criminal criminal class tongue tied so scott celestial made a post um he put congress is prohibited from passing ex post facto laws by clause three of article one section nine of the united states constitution i don't know how to respond to that i'm just wondering if, well, if when it comes to the constitution I, will, I hate to say it, but the Constitution doesn't really matter. It's what law currently ebbs and flows with. It, law goes by the precedents that are set, and it goes from there, which doesn't help when government goes out of whack, and then it wouldn't have gone so out of whack if they stuck to the Constitution. But they're always trying to sidestep or enhance the meanings of the hard rules in order to make a new law to show to their voters that they're doing something. And that's right. So I, I mean, I don't, I don't have an answer uh, beyond what you, what you've just provided to Scott on that. Um, I'll have to look into that a little more or get it, get more of a, um, clarification from Scott on that, but wow. Um, okay, so so again, you know, we come back to, to solutions on this, like here, here's something, right? You and I were talking about this. Um, there was a research study with Corona, with uh, uh, time, time of coronavirus, the, the last like eight, nine months. And it was out of the National Institute of Health Basically, it was, uh, you know, lay people and professionals sharing information um, online, like schematics to how to print, like, um, not only mask, 
but how to print ventilator parts and these types of things. So if you had a 3D printer, you could make these. So you could be at home. It could be me. I could be making a ventilator part on a 3D printer and giving it to my local hospital. And there were thousands of people participating in the sharing of schematics. And I looked at that and I looked at the study and I'm like, this is interesting because it shows that you can really scale in an in emergency to, to produce things all over the place, right? Like, you know, if you need things produced, you just have to share the schematic. And But on the other hand, somebody's going to come forward and say, well, that's based upon a design that I have a copyright to. That's my intellectual property, which someone just took and rewrote into a schematic. And so basically, there's no amnesty in the time of emergency, quote unquote, like coronavirus, to, to do this. And, and what happens, like, if you print a ventilator part? And you're oh, using it and fails because, uh, like, a high school student invented this this part, and it gets vetted. So, how does intellectual property? How, how do you think this? You know, again, we're, we're talking. How can we improve it? And I think this whole 3D printing thing of sharing schematics, and I, I have to file who, on to the court cases. Yeah, well, tell us more about that. Well, liability laws are pretty are pretty consistent, so. It might fall to liability, it might not. But you also have if you're you know, if you're manufacturing, well it's like with the gun stuff for 3D printed for, for 3D printers. Lawmakers are treating 3D printed guns the same as any manufacturer. So the rest of the law I assume will follow that train of thought that you have become a manufacturer. And whatever, you know, like uh, like with a knockoff uh, uh, fashion wear and whatnot, you're basically generating pirated goods. Okay. Wow. So how, how I, I guess, how can things be fixed without getting to gridlock? Because I'm looking at this, we've had conversations, you've shared information. Um, it seems to me like we're headed toward a gridlock situation. People are almost afraid to to dabble in intellectual property because someone else will say, I own this, or you know, they'll they'll be we're challenged on it. Um we're definitely getting there. Or even like people that produce the producers, right? P people will produce things and people will be hesitant well, to purchase it or license has it. It's been booming for the past what, four or five years? Yeah, tell us about that. How many small businesses? I mean, those are small businesses. All your streamers that are actually making money, well, they're they're living, you know, in a local city. They're paying local taxes. You know, they're a small business. And if the system isn't balanced enough, well, there's the death of small business. A lot of small business. Now, it might not creep over into, you know, non-online business as much, but it will creep over as everything gets digitized and all the data goes into the system. Right. Wow. Well, we talked about, like, censorship, you know, consequences of IP laws, data redaction censorship. We, we saw with the election, right? Um, Twitter jumping in taking down um, stuff that, you know, they claimed um, couldn't be verified or whatever with COVID and, and, and election stuff, whatever. But now with intellectual property, um, 
Where do you think things are going to go with data redaction or censorship of people claiming like that's my intellectual property that was was shared or there'll be some scrubber match, not only an image, but like maybe a song or a statement or a speech or whatever, and it'll just be removed or like how I because what I see, what I envision on this, Carl, is there could be this massive censorship, which is all automated. It's all of the well, Twitter already does that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We've already we've already tasted how um, you know the automate how the algorithms go in and, and clean things off. And I have I have a friend that does an outdoors channel on YouTube, and he said in the last six months, you know, like a lot of his stuff within the first hour, there's something in it which is, you know, completely benign, but it matches or whatever, and it gets idolized. You know, it, it gets no, it's no, idled for like 24 hours and then released or whatever, but. But that doesn't save you from the scrubbers, but at least you're armed with information to give YouTube. If what they'll use it however they see fit to use it. Uh, before we get into the censorship aspect, if anybody knows any resources to help people negotiate copyright law, please give them up. <laughs> More information is always good. Don't you yeah. think? Yeah, no, please, please do. I I contacted, so I teach um, a few legal cl uh, classes at a university level, and I contacted a lawyer um, this fall um, who nationally um, specializes in IP claims. And it mostly, my question was, I'm teaching at teachers plus like, you know, school administrators, and they're, they're getting inundated with this more at the school administrative level. Um, what are some things that I should tell them and what have, what are, you know, and, and basically what, what he affirmed was yes. Um, these third party scrubbing, you know, devices are out there and now these companies are coming forward and he did name a few of these companies, which aren't very hard to find, I guess, if you were to do a search. Um, and if you receive anything from these companies, contact, you know, take any, you know, screenshots and whatever of, of what is there and contact your lawyer um on how to proceed he said sometimes or actually a lot of the time he said it's it's you know not doing anything right it's taking the taking the image down um but he said it's it's um of course you know again we're not giving legal advice here but that's that's what he was sharing to me is to you know time capture you know what what they're saying you have which is is violating um remove it and and then you know seek with your attorney, which seems kind of crazy, right? Because none of us have an attorney in our back pocket to do this stuff. But um, well, that's how the lawyers get their money. They help make complicated law so they can stay in business. I hate to say that, but that's kind of how it plays out. Right. Um, wow, this is the censorship angle is always going to be kind of hit or miss. But they can claim copyright infringement and just cut you off because they don't really have to prove what you're saying is factual or not. They can just decide right then and there and just poof, you're gone. Right. Wow. Yeah, I, I, I have no I have no idea um, how to how to counter that. You know, you're talking about, about Senator Tom Tillis. So we have this this new legislation. What is it? The new CARES bill coming out at some point, and um, 
with that, there's there's been a lot of talk about digital copyright act of 2021 streaming and all that. If you know, for example, if you stream stuff, you could have 10 years in jail as a felony. Um, tell me what you know about that, and and if any anybody listening, what that might mean to them, or if it's again, as I read as I read one article, it's like this is targeted at the big violators, <laughs> and I'm like, whoa, that's like a subjective term to say big violators because. You know, I'm not sure that's exactly how that would play out, but they're um, primarily targeting the sites like YouTube and whatnot. But you know, they'll be carryover and they'll target, you know, the highest grossing streamers or anybody else with money. And then they'll be, I don't think it directly targets common streamers, but it could, e it easily could. Oh, what was so, that? so what I see, what I see also, um, Lee is, is it's easy to go online, right? And if you type in like family guy on YouTube, like a hundred people have made family guy, best, um, clips from last year or something. And they just like completely just clip things from family guy and post them. There's no yeah, critique of it. There's no anything. And they've got like 200,000 views. I mean, are, are well, these the, 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 uh, the system might already have that monetized. You know, the IP owner may already have all the claims on it. So the channel is not making any money that are uh, making very little money off, off the video. It's like other people said, well, what if you have, you know, uh, just a tiny bit of content, of, you know, of copyrighted content in your content that's hours long, well, it doesn't. It doesn't matter. YouTube tends to just monetize it to the IP owner. Okay, so in YouTube, it's probably not that big of an issue. How about um? So uh, Bacon Maldito writes, um, um, what about filtered pics, videos, cover songs, and and you and I altered content. You and I talked about this. Like you could go into Adobe, right? I could go yeah. into Photoshop. Adobe, and I could I could. I could make minor changes to anything or apply a filter. Um, what, is, what does that mean? I've not heard any cases, uh, satire or parody, dealing with Photoshop, but I'm sure if you go far enough along that it would get to satire and parody, which are better covered parts of fair use. But what if it's not like satire or parody? What if you just take an image of whatever well, and then just uh, you know just cropping three or four things together a filter on pictures it. of obama or trump with like different less filter yeah. of course they're public people so they don't really have a copyright quote unquote but all of those random things if it's you know if you can see the copyright then it's 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 it's, it's infringing if you know if the ip owners are litigious they may come for you if they're not then you don't really have to worry about it yeah. Right so, now, uh, streamers are basically, you know, people who talk over, you know, you know, background music or have images show up in their videos and whatnot. Right. They're kind of the main target of the CARES Act. And that, yeah, because I, what I read is, you know, some of these people are making like a million dollars off of other people's content. But again, I'm like, oh, that's okay. Like, I understand you'd want to go after that, I guess. But that's you're also going to be catching 
somebody in there who is, you know, um, I, I guess not using things for the intent of profiting off a of distribution. Um, I don't know. I, I, I don't know enough about the legislation, except, you know, it's gotten a lot of media coverage in the last week and, you know, what this might mean for people. And I guess there's always this thing of what does this mean retroactively? Like, what does it mean if you did this? You know, you live stream part of a white snake concert three years ago. And while you were like there and now what's the deal? Well, if is the IP owner, you know, going after, you know, some of the uh, bands and singers do not like their content being, you know, shown around too much. But if they if they start going after it, there's a good chance they may come for you. Right. And that's where that's where we've said that, you know, this thing of is there going to be some, you know, legislation or reverse class action for people to to get out of this or because this could this is a small claims court thing. Right. I mean, that's that's my understanding for most of this is it's processed through small claims court. And, um, you know, this this could small be claims is under 500. Um, I'm, I'm not sure. I, I guess what I was looking at is I was I was researching some of these cases and um, for example it would cost if someone was to to file a lawsuit because of let's say an image or or part of a song that was used in a YouTube video it would cost them you know anywhere between one and two thousand dollars to file that plus like consult with their attorney and so you know there there's some barrier into this right like because there's a barrier, it's keeping a lot of lawsuits at bay right now. Um, but I, I also wanted to get into like, what, what do you know about creative commons? So Phil Henry. A little bit. Uh, same for general user license. Yeah. It, it's a lot of reading. Of course, anything, anything much is a lot of reading for me, but. It lets you know, and it lets you know what your limits are, so you can more, you know, comfortably and safely navigate licenses and rights, copyright. So, and, and Phil brought up a great point here, um, Lee, and that's that, you know, nobody teaches Creative Commons. Um, or fair use, really, like at a university level. Like, I mean, I have two master's degree and a PhD. Never was covered once, like anywhere. Um, well, and, it all centers around distribution, and we've right. really only, you know, when was the smartphone, when did smartphones really, really, really become popular? Like middle 2000s? Right. Late right. 2000s? So we've only had 10, 15 years or so of steady progress in that people can share more and more information. Well, there's a lot of copyrighted information that's being shared and not in a file sharing sense of way. Well, that's something new for the lawyers to latch on to. Yeah. Tell me more about that. Is it fair that, you know, like, Simple, you know, quote unquote, fair use. Is it fair to people that fair use is so vague that they could be hit by a random lawsuit? 
of course, you know, as court cases pile up, we'll know more about fair use. But like with the Prince thing, you know, in 2017, the Supreme Court said, no, nah, we ain't touching it. So you're going to need something huge to basically get people's attention because if people don't see it, they don't really care. Wow. And that kind of drives me crazy because everybody's a distributor and copyright focuses on distrib distributing the content. And I keep yeah. trying to think of ways to balance it out, but any way you go, it's a rabbit hole, but there are better ways to do it than what we are doing now. Like what? So if you could, if you could reinvent the system um, tomorrow, it, I would it, just to, just a simple, Make it as simple as possible. You know, okay, if you want to trade unlicensed content, you pay in a cut of your revenue intake. No fuss, no muss, just whatever you bring in, a cut goes to the IP owners. How that's distributed is, an, is a rabbit hole in itself, but you get the general idea. You know, revenue sharing. If it's traded, the IP owners get a, uh, get a cut, and everybody else is able to focus on business, business and trade. No fuss, no muss, you know, as they, as the conservatives always say, get out of the way of business. Well, IP owners get out of the way of business. IP owners are their worst own enemy. I hate to bring up Star Wars, but they weren't targeting, you know, the fans with that. You know, there's also Mass Effect, which went downhill because they weren't really targeting the fans. They were doing everything they can to find a new demographic to sell to. Well, if people could make their own Star Wars films, it doesn't matter, you know, who, what, when, where, all of that is paying to the IP owner. So you'll still have, you know, the IP, the rights, is a commodity. It should be treated more like a mine that people can go into and pay a percent on what they bring out. Okay. So basically... I, I guess, tell me more how that would work. Okay. Ooh, I've only written like 10,000 words. Okay. Um, well, I keep trying to, you know, boil it down and boil it down, boil it down. So basically, you know, my system is 20% default max cut. This means that whatever, whatever your revenue intake is, and that's from donations, merchandise, anything. All of that, you know, 20%, you can either, you know, divvy it up into what's selling, you know, and, you know, you break the numbers down and pay out to the IP owners from that max 20%, or, you know, the industry can make a system that does all that. But any which way you do it, you know, the 20% is the default. We still have licensing. We still have fair use. We still have public domain. For the IP owners... IP does not expire. And if you focus on, you know, trade and not distribution, you could even potentially get rid of uh, first sale doctrine because, you know, we're focusing on the trade. And, you know, when people, you know, sell off things, you know, a little bit of that goes back to the IP owners. Every little bit would help, you know, go to the IP owners who will be focusing on investment. See, they're on, they're on the investment end, and everybody else can focus on, you know, content creation. 
So I think, so I think the the part of this too is, you know, we're looking at this, or not what, but but I think when people hear about IP and all of that, they they think of a defensive position, like you know somebody could be identified as having intellectual property that they don't have rights to, but. There is this other side, which you've, you've been mentioning quite a bit, and that's the if people producing this need, they need an audience, they need consumers. And if the system gets gridlocked, you know, everyone producing yeah, IP is going to suffer. All the sharing sites make ad revenue. They're making money, yeah. but, you know, it's all illicit money. You know, you go to poor countries, you know, people are selling copies of stuff and knockoffs of stuff. Well, all of that is valuable trade you could tap into because that is what the market can bear. We make very big, dumb, artificially bloated systems that go against what, you know, go against common trade. It's all too big to fail. So it's all, you know, our whole market is based on investors investing in investors or executives investing in each other they gamble on each other it's just it is basically a nightmare yeah and, and, and so copy so you know let's make this um uh you know clarify this also so a trademark lasts i believe about three years i know that because i'm going through a trademark process right now for some of my work um so and then it needs to be. And you also have to be aware that you need to protect your trademark. Trademarks, you have to find any and all violations and deal with them. Right, right. So, so we have the short window on trademark. And, and then, um, you know, patent is, is longer. It's kind of like that. It's longer. It's a little bit more costly. And then, but, you know, copyright is, is this, this long amount of time, right? So, right. It's like, uh, I think they got 70 years yeah. or 50 years plus the uh, plus the uh, life of the creator. But the problem is, is that the creator is no longer the owner anymore. So we have, you know, the Disney problem, 100 years. Right. So it's like almost how does that how does that keep up? I mean, how does without almost having to change copyright? So copyright expires you know, has a shorter duration, you know, maybe copyright is 20 years or 30 years um, before things go into the public domain. I think five or 10 year cycles would be the best for it because it for, it forces an, an interest on that IP. You know, having anything in the market sit in one place too long, I think is not good. So, you know, cycle it around, you know, you get fresh blood, you get new creativity. If it stays in one place too long, I don't think they're maximizing its potential. Because what they're doing now is they're just sitting on stuff, doing nothing with it, but they own the IP, but they're not doing anything with it because they can't maximize it because they can't make every cent they can off of it. When they gamble, they want to make back, you know, a thousand times what they invested into it. So what, what Phil Henry just wrote was, if the holder of the copyright dies, like in a case of Popeye, Popeye the Sailor, it becomes public domain after 70 years in Europe. In the U.S., it's 95 years, of course, are exceptions. So, so as you said, you know, this by just locking this stuff up, we're going to run into um, just a... I mean, the big messes that are going to be coming out, yeah. right? Because we're mess. focusing on distribution, the long time span just means that more the system has more things to figure out, and the system will be 
buried. Yeah, yeah, abs- absolutely. The system is just going to go. Uh, it, it's it's going to be insane because um, here are the problems, right? One is these scrubbers, these algorithms, these electronic. Um, you know, you just imagine like someone has a, a, a office building and all they have is computers, which are just bringing up all these web pages and trying to match against these images and video and audio clips and things like that. So that's happening. And then pretty soon like that will end up in all of these notices going out to people. And then it's also. Um, oh, that's a good one. Red Crusher made a very good, very good. The reason I keep putting out poor content to extend copyright. Because if it goes unused after a certain period of time, it has to be forced into the public domain, I believe. Okay. okay. Well, Red is asking, what is this guy's channel? He sounds familiar. Do you have a channel? Yeah, I have a channel. I, you can I just put- got it running. I used to stream a lot, but I kind of took down my gaming content, and I've got it back up now. I've got uh, Strange is basically my political and social commentary ranting. Uh, Zippy DSM Lee is focused on, you know, creativity, media, games, stuff like that. You can I'm post it put two more up. As, as a comment and then everybody, everybody can find it. So, all right. Yeah, that'd be great. So Red was asking. So, so yeah, absolutely. Um, wow. This, I mean, this is, this is just a lot to, to think about. So, so you're saying what you see right now so far, Lee, in the digital Copyright Act of 2021 is this doesn't do anything to improve, I guess, um, current IP law in, in your perception. Floodgates to more litigation. That's right. all it does. Okay. Wow. This is this is crazy stuff. I don't know how YouTube will treat this because YouTube doesn't give you simple links like Twitch does. That's for the strange. Okay. My um, creative content is zany, silly. Ah, let me. Okay. Well, I think Mictibus, um Mikta just Mictibus just posted a link to your um, YouTube site. Let's see which one is that? The strange or? Yeah, that's just strange. I put that one up too. So here's the other one. Okay. So let me um, let me switch accounts here and see if I can, uh, yeah, can go man. in and. It'd and, be nice if it. I guess YouTube has so many users that the, you have to get you know you have to get a bit more a bit of you know fame before they'll let you have a www.youtube.com your name here yeah so i'm going to um it's for people uh in there i'm going to post it i think i've i think i've got it up now um so i think we're we're in good shape here so that's uh it's good stuff so yeah, because the way YouTube does their demonetization, I'm trying to keep my separate my channel separate. I know one, you know, Zippy Lyrics is going to be demonetized, but I don't really care. I just love fiddling with lyrics. 
Okay. Uh, Labs is game modding, and that'll be random because random stuff in the games. Lollipop Chainsaw, the lollipop song by the Cordettes. Yeah. For a few years, it wasn't being hit on Twitch, but like a year or two ago, it started to get hit. So when it plays, you're muted. Okay. Okay. And it wow. is to play when you're at the vending machine buying stuff. Wow. That's... It's just weird how they... But I believe that Five Finger Death Punch's Way of the Fist is still... They're not hitting it. But, you know, the Twitch has changed a little bit since I was streaming like a year or so ago, so this is going to be an interesting ride. I tend to play game music in the background. Only once in a while do they ever, ever say, well, this is from, you know, a, a very fancy, you know, original soundtrack, so you can't play that. We claim that. So what do you, so Lee, we talked about this too, like, so what do you think about should, in your opinion, should there be an amnesty for Without somebody if they're notified? So, so I bring this up because, right, if you go to major airports, <laughs> if you go to major airports, there's a there's a big container and it says like this is the drug amnesty box. I and wonder it, what kind of amnesty <laughs> Amazon got with Twitch because you know they've owned that for a while now. Yeah. And, and the music industry was not going after them, you know, tooth and nail. They were just, you know, muting the segments of the videos or muting the whole video. If it had, you know, if if the scrubbers found content. Yeah. But now it's, you know, your channel might be in trouble if you do that too much. Well, right. And this is the whole part, too, where we start to get into what in the past, what is forensic, right? As these scrubbers go and they say, hey, like, you know, this was posted. And I I, I found some um, something that indicated, like if, if you posted a copyright image, for example, um, and let's say unintentionally, but again, un un take away intention, but let's say it was up on your webpage, like it was to augment a web post or a blog post or something. And, and you're notified three years after that by the um, alleged, you know, holder of copyright, that there is a statute of limitations of three years that has has passed that then um, comes into play in, in the court. Like if you haven't been notified within this three-year span. I, I did find that in some redundant places, um, but yeah, I... So, so one of the things like, you know, current precedent, you know, what they're doing in the courts right now with it, I think there would be, you know, some, but if, you know, if the winds change, they could go at it all day long. Yeah. So I, I would, you know, how do you, I guess, how do you see this as, as censoring? How do you see because here, here's here's how I, I imagine it could happen, right? Like someone could say, like, that's copyrighted content if you're posting something political or, or, or something about current events, which might go counter-narrative. And it might be enough to get Twitter or whatever to delay your content for review. And by the time it's 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 released, it would be no longer relevant to what's happening in real time. I guess, how do you... 
how do you see this? And then I'm going to come back to this with, we talked about deep fakes. Like deep right. fakes are going to create incremental problems with intellectual property. Oh, crud. I had a thought and then it went out my head. Okay, what was the question before deep fakes? Um, how, how do people... Um, okay, let's say that I'm posting content, but suddenly I'm targeted by people wow. not wanting my content to get out there. So they're saying, oh, it's a violation of IP. When may maybe it's not at all, but that's just something they're saying because they know then Twitter oh, or whatever will react and that's suspend a mechanic for 24 hours. That's just yeah. another mechanic. They have. That's just another tool in their bag to curate content. I, that's what I was thinking before is they're trying... Much like an IP owner, they are trying to hone and curate their content to a point to where it's always making as much money as it can. YouTube delays a lot of videos when they're when you put them up. I mean, you can go to the ULR, but people won't be notified until, you know, it depends on where they're slotted in the curation system. Okay, yeah, tell us more about, about that. Um, well, I, um, channels like Jim Sterling's Jimquisition or Forgotten Weapons or basically almost any gun kind of focused channel, well, they're going to be, you know, a few dozen rungs down the ladder. You know, it's the, it's the hip new stuff that will be, you know, distributed first and then next and then next and then next. They're trying to curate the information so they can maximize profit. I can't stand that because Walmart's doing it with their search engine. And I can't find the stuff I want because I have to deal with 50 items that they've curated for me, but that's not the item I'm looking for. Right, right. Yeah, so we have that We have that to, to deal with. Um, search engines, yeah, giving you 10 things that might not really pertain to what you want, but because it's been sponsored, it's going to show up. That's a good one from Andrew S. How do companies have copyrights when everything today is a remake, nothing is original? Well, that's kind of the point. They have to publish something new in order to keep the copyright. Or they have to publish something that's published or republished. It doesn't matter if it's new or not, as long as they as long as they're publishing it, they can maintain the copyright. If they don't publish it, then after 20 years it's public domain. Or there's some time limit to it. And, and, you know, so pretty soon we're going to have, um, well, not pretty soon, but we're going we're gonna to have a larger um, embodiment of deep fakes. So, I mean, you could go back, right? Well, you know, like in the movie Forrest Gump, you know, <laughs> just computer generated people, computer generated people. And, and actually then, um, you know, what's the question of, okay, is this person... Um, similar to someone who's authentic, right? Or is this where you're taking an image of somebody and then totally making them say or do something that they didn't do? So what is their what is copyright um, intellectual property look like with, with that? Um, and, uh, and and I think it's pretty scary to because we're getting there very fast. Like in 
And it, it was a year ago that California passed legislation, only state to do this, saying you could not post a deep fake of a political candidate within 60 days of a campaign, right? Now, how that was enforced, who knows? And there was a clause in there saying, if it's obviously a satire, you can do it. But how? what is obvious satire? And um, But they were the first to get on that. It was also in 2019, Congress held its first um, uh, you know, meeting about what they were going to do to combat, combat deep fakes in, in, um, in um, elections. So anyway intellectual property, like even my image, like if I'm uploading stuff to Facebook or Twitter or something in my image or a video or even something like this video, um, what is intellectual property of how, how might these laws inter interface? What if somebody goes in and, and they, they modify? So I'm saying something I'm not saying, or I'm, I'm, they're using me to advertise something I'm not advertising, or they're using me in a way that compromises my image like my professional branding or something like that. Um, I mean, I what are you, what? that, you know, common people have a, uh, basic copyright to their image or some sort of rights. But do you remember the, it's not as, as common as it once was, but you know, character artists that make very kind of wacky, whimsical characters of people. If you did like a full 3D rendering of that, that would probably fall under parody or satire. If that if that if that image itself is not you know copyrighted. Okay. Webs within webs within webs, but uh, I'm you know basically if you, well it's like uh, Photoshop. The more close it is, the more it's well infringement. You know, right. when it comes to other stuff, I think it would uh, default to libel law, slander law, you know, intent and whatnot. What is your intent? You know, is, is this, you know, uh, is this, you know, clause for libel? But it's mostly between, you know, parody and satire and libel law. And, and you know, and what if I create an avatar, a 3D image that then I am putting out there to... Um, you know, to use, I guess. And, and someone then, yeah, uh, copies that, I guess it would be a copyright infringement. And, but that would be some form of infringement, I bet. It's just a shame we can't own our DNA or our data that they're selling. Holy smokes. <laughs> wow. Um, so, so you gave me, you know, points. So I'm just going to go over them and, and let me know if there's right. anything we've touched on. But right. what is IP? So I, and also if my understanding is correct, like if I were to take a picture, um, the moment I take that picture, um, it there is a, a certain amount of intellectual property right that's, that is assigned yes. to that picture. If I go out and I'm taking a picture of a snowfall in my backyard, I have some copyright to that image, that authentic image. Um, so what is IP and then problems with IP in current times? Um, also leading to time. My brains are on slow time. Oh, also talking about like banned accounts, block content censorship, how you can improve IP. So, so also your, your thought on that, um, Lee was something like, you know, a more accessible database to tell you what's been licensed and what's not in that you'd pay in this database to get yeah. a license or something. And uh, 
you know, if we're going to make it this complicated, there needs to be kind of a, a universal database that has a lot of easily accessible public data. That way you can find who owns what. And then if we have a system that is that easy, then the license makers will make licenses where people could use them easily. One of the problems we don't really have that right now is because, well, high and best use. You have to pay an arm and a leg in order to get a license. But if they were more common and easily taken up, you know, the price and use would, you know, the price would go down and the usage would go up. But they don't really want to create a system that's user friendly. They want it top heavy. So, so what I'm thinking is, you know, we talked about this too, of, of like music, well, back in Napster, LimeWire, what, 25 years ago, you know, people going online and, E-donkey. and, and, uh, and then what happened was like, for example, Amazon, if I want a song, um, I can go on Amazon and for 99 cents for the most part, like I can just buy it and download it in a high quality MP3. And, but you know, that, so do you see that system maybe happening for more intellectual? Well, you know, Napster, uh, a few years after the Metallica lawsuit, a few years after that, they went legitimate. They went they, they went as kind of a subscription-based service. Not quite like, kind of like iTunes, really, where you could just download the whatever's on the thing. Oh... I don't know if that would happen much with music because we've got iTunes, we've got Amazon. The, right. the market will only bear so much, but I, but you know, the main, you know, the biggest uh, IP owners will go to the the top five or so biggest sites and just you know blow off the rest. They have no interest in you know doing anything that's going to not make them the most money they can make. Right. Wow. So what are what are some uh, what are some takeaways for people? Um, uh, you know, I all, all of, you know from. Okay, someone's like, okay, like I've done videos, and my tendency in videos is sometimes to stream, like mm. you know, yeah, a minute of something that was. Well, I um, think there's like two types of common video and maybe two or three types of quote unquote business video for common. You're just basically doing things for the fun of it. And frankly, it doesn't matter if your channel gets demonetized because you're just having fun. I mean, if they whack it, you'll make another one. Okay. I mean, it is what it is, but you don't until they actually want to go after each individual drop of infringement i think stuff like that will always go on how they will moderate it will be will be based on their you know terms of service and if they're actually making money off of it or not for business stuff i would use caution on commentary and reviews but in general you know less is more it's you know try and use as less as you can to get your point across fully so you know when I was on um, when I was on PBS, I I used a um, 
a segment of video which had been produced by somebody else. And I, I did, you know, I worked with PBS and um, yeah, publisher and so forth. But anyway, PBS had this, uh, you know, like you can use 26 seconds. <laughs> I mean, it was, and I, I used less than that. I used like 18 and, you know, fully cited it out. And of course, um, but, but it was really interesting that they had this, this kind of number for this, this presentation that, you know, if you went over that, well, I mean, they wouldn't allow it, but, um, but so I, I guess another part of this is I don't want to, I, I don't want to feel like fair use is dead or I don't want to, uh, because I, I, th I think there is, I, I guess if I were to use something, does, does it make sense for me to overtly say I'm critiquing like this picture, right? Or I'm critiquing like this short video or I'm, I, I guess I, I don't want to leave people thinking like fair use is is out the window but again how do people even understand if they're um how to use this like phil wrote earlier like people aren't taught about creative commons really not taught about fair use but you know what if there is authentically like i'm i want to critique something that is is out there i'm critiquing the video the the audio itself um, well do you overtly like make a statement yeah. You post it. No, I understand I reviews and commentary and whatnot. The less you use, the more likely it is that they won't bother you. That's something to keep in mind. Right now, though, I think that fair use is fairly adequate for, you know, commentary as long as you're not playing the whole thing. But, you know, the more you use, the more you get to that line that each individual site has. You know, one site may let you do half a thing and you get monetized. You do more than that and you it gets deleted. Right. You really have to just be aware of what you're posting on. Would you advise... You know, people are, would your thought be, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to put something right at the front. I'm going to say, like, I am critiquing this, or this is for satire, or if I'm posting this image. Well, that like, your intent clear, but the judge will still have to figure it out. But wouldn't, but wouldn't it help with, at least if you're claiming, like, a fair use, you're claiming well, something? You know, that you all, you know, you can claim fair use until you're blue in the face. But there are lines that once you cross them, you know, there's no there's there's no defending it even to the thing unless you've got the license. Right. Right. No, I, I get that. I get that. Yeah. I'm just wondering, like, does it if it does? I it would think it would help you if at the time of whatever. Yeah. It, it makes me feel better to say that. Copyright infringement is not intended. It's not intended. And yeah, if if I, you know, I'm posting this, you know, without um, any in, intent, and if I'm made aware of it, I, you know, um, you know, we'll, we'll remove this content or something like that. I, I don't know. I don't know. That almost sounds like a... It helps, but really right now the system is if they find a nail, they'll hammer it down. Now that might, right now mainly that's just, you know, content, you know, you'll get muted audio for whatever is copyrighted or you'll get a deleted whatever. Okay. 
deleted posts that they are shifting more to monetizing whatever they can. So a lot of IP owners that were at first, you know, just kill it with fire, they're, they've come around to, oh, wait, YouTube will pay us for our copyright? Even though this person did all the work to, who's, you know, advertise, who made this little advertisement thing, whatever, whatever's making, you know, generating money, they'll, you know, say, okay, well, we'll go on to this monetized thing. Gotcha. It would be so nice that, if the monetized system was, you know, simplified to where you could, you know, join it, but then they would create, you know, so many vague rules that you won't know what to follow. What? Right. So that works probably pretty well for audio. For video, it would be harder because, like, you know, I they're not going to monetize your blog site or something I, like that where you're not getting any. I wouldn't necessarily say that. It's kind of like it's all copyright, so... They can do Im image scans. They can do, you know, audio scans, of course. But they also, they, you know, Twitch, Live, Twitch and YouTube, both, they scan audio. I mean, they scan video. Right. So everything is up for grabs. It just depends on if the industry is willing to, you know, put the hammer down and go full throttle. They're trying to with Tillis, but hopefully it won't. If it gets passed, well, YouTube's going to. I want to say that YouTube would lose money, but there again, it might make it easier for YouTube to have licensing deals with them, with the industry. But it's all kind of nebulous. You know, the, the courts are nebulous. It's a vague mess. It doesn't really have to be. You know, we can protect the IP owner interest and the common user interest, but we're all, you know, but we're putting everything on the IP owner in the industry and giving them too much, I believe, because it comes back to killing small business. Wow. So what are, what are some closing, um, you know, thoughts for, again, people with blogs, you know, people who are, you know, YouTubers, um, uh, people who are, yeah, you know, just, you know, kind of passively doing things like, Hey, on my Facebook, you know, I'm sharing out this image, but I'm not exactly sure where it came from or it's been made into a meme and, and things, I guess. Um, knowing after listening to this, what are some ways people should at least, what should they have learned and maybe how should they apply it? Be more aware of anything that you use can be copyrighted. I don't want to make them, you know, go crazy over it, but just be aware that there is a possibility. So if you're, you know, if you're really focusing your effort on your, whatever your creative content is, if you're really putting a lot of effort into it, be sure to be aware of it and try and dial back on anything that's possible infringement just to save you headaches down the line. I think one of those things right off the, the right out of the gate is like, you know, just searching for some image. Yeah. Right. In a Google yeah, search. No, and, a reverse image search. And, and yeah. And, and so doing that step immediately um, puts you in a better position Google also offers a reverse image search, but you have to dig through their apps. 
Okay. So yeah, like a reverse image search. Yeah, anything you can take. In and they'll scrub the web for it. I tend to use 10i because I don't want to use Google for everything. And anything you can take authentic, or even if it doesn't need to have like an image or something. And um, and yeah, so it, it, and as far as like audio, um, well, I think we we kind of already talked about gaming that that's that's not like it was maybe ten years ago. You know, Nintendo. Also, and I think that it's mainly you know. Top 40 gets scrubbed the most. This is what I hear streamers say a lot. It might be, you know, they, they might be wrong, they might not. But, you know, if it's any song in the top 40 in the past, you know, 30 years, I would not try it. Frankly, when it comes to normal, you know, music, I wouldn't try it. V video game music, except when you get into the extra special uh, soundtracks and whatnot they do, just... Regular video game music is, I've never been hit with any type of claim just having that going in the background. Now for uh, something like, I have the soundtrack to the medieval PSP version. Oh okay. boy, do they, you know, it's a Sony game and uh, the music makers are uh, some uh Music writers, or they do a lot of symphony music and whatnot. Oh boy, YouTube would not shut up about it. Okay, because they own the rights to the music, or they are part of the chain of rights to the music, and they are very litigious. But Sony, I didn't never got anything from Sony, so I'm assuming that they might be the primary licensor okay. in that deal. And, and I think I'll come back to this point of there are more and more um, companies that are that are coming together who are saying who who will contact people and say this is a copyrighted image um, and you know if you can't prove that you have copyright to this oh, you Lord. owe us X amount of money and and I've been hearing this also too like when I when I've taught my courses and, and consulted. So, you know, it's it's people taking advantage of these things. So, you know, of course, like, um, you know, never just or if you know somebody, just never pay out a blank, <laughs> a blank payment, you know, to somebody yep. because of these, these accusations. Always double check before you if it if it smells like a scam, it probably is a scam. Yeah. And, and they've gotten much better, you know, at how they put this together. And and but um, but again, I think these are. They're again, they're, I don't know, fear tactics or, you know, just there are people in general who want to feel that if, well, okay, I did this and I didn't mean to do it. So I'm going to try to make it right and I'll, I'll make this payment. But um, I just see that coming through more. And, you know, it's really weird because like this whole IP thing, I'm kind of thinking of background like ransomware, ransomware. <laughs> you know, who knows? Like who, who, yeah, you could have some weird thing where somebody like starts at, um, you know, saying a ransomware attack because you violated IP or something like that, or uh, who knows? I mean, I don't know what that would look like. But Before I lose my train of thought, I forgot about this one little thing with Fortnite and PUBG, their uh, Battle Royale games. But yes. they, well, this is what happens when an IP owner has too much money. They sued each other over a skillet. <laughs> okay. You had a skillet as a melee weapon. 
And well, they tried. They tried as all heck to copyright it. So tell me about that. Okay, I, I don't know. I don't know who was first. I think it was PUBG. They basically had a skillet as a melee weapon, and Fortnite just copied it. But it's just a generic skillet, you know, in the style of Fortnite, which is kind of more cartoony than PUBG. But it's just a skillet. But they tried to that they tried to copyright a co something that's basically a common image. Okay. Even if it's modeled in 3D, it's just kind of ridiculous what happens when what happens when they have too much money to you know right. hunt and pet test cases. And that's where right that's where I think it can get scary for someone who's trying to produce original content and not. You know, and then suddenly saying what you've just produced as original, for example, is very similar to what I produced and copyrighted. It with, you know, multi tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars of lawsuits over infringement as test cases. So, but then yeah. again, I, I keep forgetting about how the, well, no, because... The sites are protected. The individual content creators are not. So as long as the 230 remains intact, they can go after the content creators if they wanted to. Right. Yeah, that's Section but 230. So. Especially if it's a famous content creator. Because then right. you have tens of thousands of fans going, you know, disparaging their IP right. and their IP lowers in value. Well, as you said, you know, the thoughts, you know, the consequences if IP laws aren't updated. One is, you know, we run into this this log jam in the courts. Um, you know, we run into um, people afraid to produce content because they're going to be challenged um, on it. And intellectual property, I think right now, like there's this weird part, right, with 3D and... These, I, I wrote about it, well, this chapter in my book, my book's not released yet, but um, National Institute of Health saying, you know, there were like 3,000 people working together on mask and ventilator part design schematics. Everyone from like someone in the basement of their house to an engineer, to a college student, to whatever. And, and refining and sharing this stuff that actually then they, like eight items became um, distributable. I don't know if it's public domain when you talk about 3D or not, but basically these three items got distributed. On. You could download it and you could produce it. But I'm looking at that saying, okay, like I, I get it, but also like somebody at some point is going to say this was built as an extension of a design which I copyrighted, right? There's there's no goodwill. I, I know that's from Cajun Navy Relief, right? All There's under the rules of manufacturing. That's I've not heard of any cases quite yet, but as I've said before, with the gun laws, they look at it as manufacturing per pure and simple. So the rest of the lawmakers and the legal system is going to look at that as a manufacturing issue, a manufacturing rights issue. And as for, you know, you as someone who's just making it to help others, there are probably, you know, local or state liability laws that you might be, you know, on the hook for. But we don't really know until we get more test cases out of it. 
Right. It reminds me a little bit. So I had Katie Pashan on the show a few times of Cajun Navy relief. So when there's a hurricane, for example, Cajun Navy, it's a civilian, it's a, it's a nonprofit. They're registered as a nonprofit rescue force. They come in and they rescue people from their homes and stuff. But, but there isn't any like amnesty for if they try to rescue somebody and they go across a live wire and everybody gets killed. That's in this boat. Well, you're so, dead. you can't be sued. What was that? You're dead. You can't be sued. Right. But saying, but, but saying <laughs> but, like, yeah, you know, they're, they're doing right. this without any type of um, insurance covering the group to do this. Right. So, so they come in and they're, they're participating in this rescue. And, and I think it's very interesting right now when we talk about IP, because um, in everything that's happened with with the mask and ventilator parts and other types of things um, related to the coronavirus. What, what was that, Lee? Never underestimate liability. Yeah. Because, well, you know, like with the restaurants and whatnot, they have, you know, libel, not libel laws, but, you know, they have laws and insurance and stuff to make it so if you get hurt, you know, at the site and it's their fault and whatnot, you know, that kind of liability. But the lawyers and uh, the restaurants and stuff will overthink it and it raises complexity and cost when all you really need is intent and outcome. Wow. But law wants to be more complicated than intent and outcome. And that kind of drives me crazy. But law, it is what it is. All you can yeah. do is try and figure it out. Yeah. Well, I, and if, if I'm correct, I haven't seen any revisions to IP law that have been proposed that would, um, I guess, I guess make things better, improve things sensible. I, I haven't, I don't see that anywhere out there. Is that your take? That we, or so years ago, they did some fiddling with the DMCA. I forget what it was, but it wasn't, terribly awful but it wasn't that great either i think they tried to do some balancing with it but they've not really tried to make the system better okay i wonder if they have the power as lawmakers to you know if you if you want to, you know, mass target infringement, then you need a better licensing structure, something where people can come to you and get a simple license so you can get ad revenue, some sort of, you know, balancing mechanic to make things easier. Right. Yeah. So in, in closing, uh, Lee, some points, you know, for people to take away is if, um, you don't have to use an image that you haven't taken, you know, just to add spice to, to something, you know, it's, it's best not to go that route because of the fact, yeah. you know, these algorithms, these well, scrubbers, you know, 90% sure it's best to not go down the path. Yeah. Um, you know, so, so that's kind of a, a, you know, a right off the bat, you know, type of thing. And um, I still, I, I think there's some value in, if you are, boy, I don't, I don't know, you know, 
I don't even know if it makes sense to critique something that is is copyrighted um, unless you're prepared to take on the challenge of that. Um, you know, you and I talked about um, Tom Scott had yeah. had produced like an eight minute video on that. If um, and and I'm just I'm not even sure, but um, yeah. But I think the days of, of willy nilly going to the internet and finding an image and posting it or making it your thumbnail um, for you know I, I guess like either a podcast or whatever um, you know those are over because um, of the of how things are probably scanned. I mean, twenty five, years ago, yeah, yeah, probably five years. We'll see more of a lockdown on. Well, what else can you call it? A lockdown on expression. Not right. everyone is able to create, but they can cut and paste things. So there is, you know, creativity and expression and free speech involved in fair use and the distribution of IP. We need some sort of balancing mechanism that takes more things into account than distribution and the whims of the IP owner. Well, right. Yeah. And, and, you know, and we're getting into this, this strange world of censorship where something you post of original content, uh, you know, could be deplatformed because it doesn't meet the criteria of whatever the social media site is. So, you know, you're taking a picture of, of, of something. It, it could be that it's not even a copyright infringement. It could be that it doesn't meet standards of the community, which is vague, right? But it could be the censorship way of of saying, oh, before any image is made yes. public, That's and it could be it. done to protect. Yes, they've got enough in the standards to basically kick you for any, for any reason. And I find that quite odd because they're making money off your data. So we're not being paid for our labor. That right. brings a whole new train of thought, but that's a different, you know, rabbit hole, but still, oh dear. If copyright doesn't get to be more open, then we are going to need, you know, fair use, uh, not fair use, but we need a, um, first amendment laws brought into the modern age. So our content on all these user sites is protected. They could easily have users, you know, block each other through auto mods and just watching keywords and stuff like that. But they don't want to do that. They want to curate, 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 and maximize money. Right. Yeah, which is right. Right. It's going to be so, I, I don't know, commercially driven. And it is it's pretty scary to think about, about that. Um, wow. So again, you know, some takeaways. Yeah, you know, trademarks, you know, about three years and, and then it's upon who brings forward the trademark to, um, you know, to defend it. Um, I don't have a timeline on patents, but we know the copyright is this long time um, that's out there. People who want to use fair use, be aware that if you're using this as a, a it's basically a defense and it's it's subjective to a judge. So I'm 17 years for patents, 17 years for patents. Okay. So, so three trademarks, 17 patents, and then something like 80 years, or there's some formula that plus the death of, 
whoever created it or if it gets bought up by a well as you, know you said Disney. if the cost is not too great for the average person you know a couple grand is not unreasonable to have you know full legal protection and you know we could always you know make groups that help you know small copyright you know owners get you know get their copyrights you know protected but there is such a a gap in well this is copyrighted but if it's you know a final version i can pay a couple hundred bucks and get it fully copyrighted well why don't we well yeah pay a couple hundred bucks get 17 years but you know after 17 years or up you pay another 200 bucks to re-up it but i don't think that there's a it, it won't do anything to the big ip owners it's just an annoyance for the it call. won't and i and i'm kind of in the camp as i i do feel there needs to be some amnesty level um because basically right that's what youtube does i mean youtube is if you have let's you know upload something and they're like here's 31 seconds of matched copyrighted audio so one you're not monetized in your second option is you can you know click in this will be deleted definitely be something and and you know I, I go back to to the airports you know you see these big containers at, at major airports these amnesty boxes it's like drop a few drugs drop them here and you know you there won't be consequences um i i think if something like I, even I, that it will help common users but the whole industry is still kind of broken Right. It, it doesn't fix the industry. I think what it fixes is, is because it's been, it's so easy to create a blog or some, yeah. you know, a, a channel or yeah, whatever. Criminalize it, have an easy way out for. If right. And, and, and maybe someone could still be pursued or something like that, you know, in, in court, but at least like there would be some amnesty, um, you know, option. And I, again, I think because this has become so easy to, to do right to make a blog to make a, a youtube video to do a podcast um and if you're made aware of it that you would because i, I, yeah, I you can know. either you know get rid of it mute that section or uh have it monetized and it yeah a cease and desist right a cease a cease and well, a cease desist and order. Desist, you know just just drop dead right there Kind of it, and and you know if you and if you decide to go beyond that, well then you know kind of you're taking things on. Yeah. On your, there was a question here from uh, Bacon Maldito, and this is a good question. So, so Lee, like, what if you take a image of a subway sandwich, or or do you own that image of the subway sandwich, or like a Mona, the Mona Lisa? You go in and you take an image, take a photo of the Mona Lisa. So now, I would say that yes, in the case of the sandwich. It would, you could do it, but if it had, you know, the Subway logos or the Sandwich Maker logos on it, that would be somewhat problematic. But yes, you could put a copyright on, you know, your unique individual photos. If they actually accept it, I don't know. You know, there's a unique factor, there's a uniqueness factor to, or scarcity factor to copyright. But for the most part, if it's unique, it's easily copyrightable. I mean, uh, 
Star Wars lightsabers were copyrighted for years. You couldn't use the word. You couldn't use the word lightsaber. Right. And then eventually, you know, the copyright kind of just they did that they stopped trying to they stopped trying to be litigious about it. Yeah, I mean that right. So they also had problems with knockoffs, but the knockoffs weren't, you know, direct copies. Right. And I think at the beginning it was close enough that they could, you know, stop, you know, the knockoffs. But over a while it became so ubiquitous that they couldn't do anything about it. So yeah, if I if, if I'm in, if I'm taking a picture of a, you know, the Mona Lisa, and that's really all it's in in the picture, right? You know, maybe a little background on either side, but do I own that picture or I'm taking a picture instance. of a copyrighted work? You own that instance, that specific instance, that data. Now it might be so uh, common that it won't. You can't actually protected in court but that's how the system works there is a good chance that you can protect it right i mean there was the grumpy cat stuff 10 20 years ago where all the pictures of the that particular i forget the name of the cat but you know you've seen them there yes. was copyright over that but i believe that was the image that they took of the specific images they took of the cat that were under scrutiny and not just more generic, but uniqueness is kind of everything to copyright. So, so what Bacon's writing is he said, I meant the image itself, not a direct yeah. copy of anything. The, the, that instance of the image that you took, it has at the very least a 50, 50 chance of being copyrightable you'll be able to submit it for copyright and they will get back to you. In okay. general, I think you would have a hard time trying to protect that copyright without some sort of limited rights thing granted by, you know, the copyright office, you know, pay your 200 bucks, get it processed, whatnot. And then you could go to town with it. But then again, you know, the courts, probably aren't going to be too happy dealing with, you know, common stuff. Right. Wow. And that's kind of the, what the, that's kind of what some people say that Trump should uh, repeal the 230, section 230, that gives the websites protection. But right. if they do that, then the websites are going to purge everything that does not meet their cur curation needs. So that, right. that kind of creates a double-edged sword situation where, it's probably not the best way to go about it. Because my understanding on 230, and I, I did a presentation on this a couple of years ago, um, was, you know, it, it, in a nutshell, it, it removes some um, liability from the site owners for the content that's placed on their site with, with some exemptions, right? If you're posting like human trafficking, you know, information on, on a site like, you're not protected from that. I mean, the moment you'd be made aware of that, you'd, you'd have to take that down and then also, you know, do protective measures. But, um, but you're right, Lee. I mean, if, if section 230 goes, goes away, then on the safe side, everything will be purged um, because no um, 
corporation, no social media, big tech is going to want to take liability for what's posted on their site. So, uh, so a run for their money. So yeah, that really is going to create some, some, yeah. Uh, Andrew S. Andy Warhol painted a can of Campbell's soup. I think I remember that. I remember. So, wow. Um, yeah, I am, you know, I, this, this has really been intriguing, you know, to have this, to have this, uh, you know, discussion because I, I, I definitely see this creeping up more and more. For example, when I, when I taught the um, courses for the last 17, 18 years, no one talked about this until like a year ago. Well, you know, we are putting more and more of ourselves into the data stream. And IP law works on distribution. So parts of what we do are going to be caught in the system. It's kind of that simple. If we kind of have some sort of online life, it's going to distribute something that can be considered copyright infringement. Right. Right. And now, right. There's something in the back of my head that I all, I'm not 100% sure, but I think museums may have some sort of rights claim. I'm not 100% sure but they might have some sort of rights claim on the images you take. I am not 100% sure, but I want to say that, okay, well, that sounds half right, as screwy as the system is. That could be a thing, but okay, I'm not 100% sure. That's really something you have to talk to the museum about. Yeah, it seems to me, yeah. That would... There again, a museum is not always a public place. Oh, right. Wow. places as long as there's no people in it or especially nowadays no children in it it should be you know relatively easy to copyright right right because when there's people in it you need you know uh oh i forgot the word but you need some sort of consent yeah yeah i have a number of friends yeah who are youtubers um you know, and if they they're going like outdoor stuff, but you know they make sure they they're not capturing anybody um, who might be hiking on a trail past them or anything that could be identifiable. So I mean, make sure they don't get their face or anything like that. Um, but wow! All right, so so Lee, like in um, wrapping up, anything people should be like watching for? Um, any you know any. Anything on the uh, on the horizon? Um, anything like people should do immediately when they're done listening to this? They should be like, "Oh well, I got I got to check this." You know, interest in I don't know of any um, news sites or article driven you know sites that focus on intellectual property, but uh, let's see. TechCrunch, Ars Technia sometimes have decent articles. Torrent Frank complains about uh, they post a lot about you know what the industries are doing, who they're suing, you know 
what they're suing on. Sometimes those articles give you a good break. Can you post those? What the fulcrum is. Can you post that website in your or for in the chat in the chat right now? So, and and I've also, I mean, I, I've I've talked to you lawyers who only work in IP to help inform you know my legal courses and and they've echoed also what you've echoed lee is one try to stay under the radar right <laughs> on this stuff the best you can i mean if you're out there and you're you know you're posting a blog and you have three images per blog um posts that uh, are copyrighted um you're much more likely to be identified and so forth but um you know and I think Phil brought it up earlier. Educate people about this. Like, be aware. At oh, least yeah. Creative Commons, and 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 when you get something, um, it, um, it. And I guess, how do you how do you find something that is uh, uh, free to use? I guess. How do you how do you? Is there a site like Public you? has a few things that you can look up, but you also have to double check the license not everything in public domain has there's a lot of sites a lot of little music sites that have uh free to oh you know public domain is one thing okay there's free to use stuff that's not quote that's not public domain is free to use with a caveat if if you're streaming or something you need a license you have to really be aware of the license of the thing that you're going to use Like if you go to a site that's, you know, there's uh, sites that, you know, sell like clip art sites and right. other little things like that. You can buy the thing to stream and that's, you know, perfectly legal <laughs> and everything. And then there are sites that say you can do one thing, but the fine print is no. And I think it's printing off and also keeping like a, your, your copy of, uh, of that you have permission to use Probably it because, because they banned tort frank because i mean i have mem i i subscribe to an annual i think it's story blocks or whatever it is um i pay an annual fee and is and whatever i download I don't like some links i'm able to use um story blocks yeah so I'm, I'm able to use it um even if i stop the service i can continue to use my downloaded audio um so but you know, I I printed off my agreement because what if Storyblocks goes bankrupt in a year, you know, or something is bought out or something like that? I mean, and someone is challenging me three years from now on, you know, some music that I have in a podcast that I, I you know released a year ago. Um, at least now I have documentation of saying I have this, and I've if a push comes to shove, I have a copy of my you know payment for this and and all of that, but. I don't know if it gets to that, but I mean, maybe it does. So still there, buddy? Yeah. Oh, sorry. We're having trouble with one of the links. They probably blocked Tort Freak as, as a link, but you can still post the name of it. It's not illegal, but it's gray area enough for them to turn their noses up to it. Okay. Ah, uh, all right. It's a torrent freak, and yeah, wow. It's just it's just one of those kind of gray area things, but they 
do a lot of articles. They keep up to date with stuff. You know, I can't find, I've not found a good, you know, website since, you know, game politics, gamepolitics.com, you know, went up. The uh, ESA bought it and then just basically shut it down. Okay. <laughs> well, you know, they, they didn't want to spend money on it. They couldn't make money off of it because it was deriding, well, the ESA, the ES, it was, you know, it was keeping on, you know, it was keeping on their toes, you know, you know, it w was, you know, talking, you know, about they shouldn't be doing this. They should be, you know, working more for the consumer that, you know, it was a, kind of like a, con a consumer resource type of site that lets you know, you know, they talked about, you know, the laws dealing with um, uh, video game uh, censorship. What's his name that wanted to ban GDA, you know, 20 years ago and stuff like that. They talked a lot, talked a lot about stuff like that. And we don't really have a good. No, we don't. You I'm, know, and, I'm not, I've at least not found one. You know, Red Crusader made a great point here in the chat. He said, you know, isn't it scary in these days to pay to essentially rent usage of content from online websites like iTunes and Steam. And, and you're right. I mean, we're renting, you know, we're renting things these days. You have that's it. what they want. They want that steady money in. And then when they control all the points, it's like with, you know, you might not be aware of this, but uh, mainstream games are somewhere between 50 and 70 bucks a pop. In the olden days, they were maybe like 10, you know, 10, 15 years ago, they were maybe $10 less. But they printed thousands and thousands and thousands of discs. So you have that you have that secondary market of used, but also new wholesale to compete with new prices. But today, why do they need to ever lower the price? Well, right. Microsoft has at least, you know, gained some, you know, sense of awareness and their game pass is actually pretty decent, you know, 20 bucks a month and you get to play about any, everything you about uh, just about anything you want. I mean, a lot of the newer stuff you have to buy for 60, 70 bucks, but a lot of other things, you know, it's like, you know, Netflix for gaming in a way. Yeah. Well, you know, I was, I'm having a new computer system built uh, and, and uh, Ryzen. What is that? Ryzen or Intel. Um, well, it would be, it'd probably be Intel, but, um, I'm having uh, a person who's built some of my previous systems is building like a new system for my studio down here. And, um, but he said, you know what? Like you should really consider going Linux because so much. I've been of, trying. I, so, yeah. So much of what's out there now is subscription based for Microsoft office 365 and whatever. And he's like, you know, you're, you'd, be better off, buddy, you know, going with going. I mean, just his opinion was going yeah, with a Linux. Quite system. used to my gibberish um, word processing. Yeah. And, and I'm like, yeah, I mean, maybe, I mean, that was his take of, of, you know, you're going to enter into this rental um, agreement basically. Oh, yeah. Your, Microsoft is probably going to be subscription based in less than 10 years. No, Windows will, you have to log on to Windows in order. The old, you know, adverb, the old proverb in the Windows 95 days, in order to solve the problem, go online. But you can't go online. Right. <laughs> right. 
So, I mean, this, this also brings up a really, you can't go online. You have to go online to go online, you know, deep thought of, of like, you know, what is, you know, your subscription base versus actually, you know, quote unquote, owning something. And God, I don't, I don't know, but I think uh, Blu-ray, uh, Phil Henry made a good comment. Uh, disc-based games deteriorate way faster, but I think Blu-ray disc lasts like 20, 30 years, and that's a decent return on investment, I think. That's reasonably fair. Sure, cartridges will last longer. Right. But, you know, you can print out a lot more discs as long as they're not too overly complicated. At a, at a reasonable price, cartridges cost a lot more per, you know, game. No, no. Yeah, you're you're right on. Um so yeah, I guess you know, what do, what do you think here in 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 closing? I mean, what what would be some takeaways for for people or some things that people have brought up and you're like, "Yeah, I just want to resonate that one more. I want to amplify that one more time." I hate to say you can kind of dismiss it, but if you're just commonly posting things and not really not doing much more than, you know, common usage, just random things, I don't think the system will be so sloppy enough to crack down on you. I think they are going to target you know, businesses, streamers, those who are generating money, they're the first, you know, they're, 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 the, they're the first ones that will be, you know, went after. The next line will be those who make, you know, halfway decent photoshops. They put some effort into their, what they're, you know, using to infringe, but they're not really, you know, profiting off of it. They'll probably be next, but I don't think common users really have to worry too much, but for anyone that seeks to make, you know, puts, puts a lot of effort in it or seeks to make money off of it, be aware, less is more. And if you can, you know, check and confirm the license, copyright, whatever. How do you do that? So you said check in. So yeah, what would be, what would be Google a search? Way? Just start with Google search and you see who, owns it and then you see you know it's almost you know find the lawyer that does all the contract work for the corporation it's almost that bad which does not help this situation at all right because there's no easy path because you know we, we have all this you know we have all this you know data that is so easily managed why isn't there an easy path it's like i say for pc games we should have had you know end-user transferable keys, you know, a decade ago, but they won't give us that. They want to sell, you know, one-off key to us directly, and if we lose our account, well, too bad for us. Right. Yeah, you can't retrieve it. Right. And there should have been a, you know, all-in-one, you know, system that the industry agreed on, like they have for, uh, you, you know, uh, the uh, industry, the big, big parts of the industry, two or the two or three of them, got together and made you know Blu-ray. They got together to make you know HD DVD. Microsoft was leader on that. You know CD-ROM. They get together to they, they got together to make those you know standardized formats. We could have had that for digital licenses. 
where we could own the license and have, you know, basically one account to deal with the licenses. And then, you know, if we wanted to sell them off, they could take like a 5% fee off the top, though I'm not 100% sure if first sale would protect that or not. But licenses do have some limitations, but it would be something, you know, carrot and stick, you know, sure, the industry has to, you know, have all this used stuff that they have to trade, but they're also making money from it. So they can't really complain too much. You know, some sort of, you know, we invest this money, but once we invest this money, it's gone. Right. So we have a question from the chat. Sass too many wrote, what about screenshots? I know, you know, I'm late to bring this up, but is it so, so yeah, what if you're taking a screenshot of something on your phone? Is it, you know, is it copyrighted? If it's copyrighted, then you're going, there is a small chance lightning will strike. If it's not easily found, then you're probably fine. Okay. You know, until they make the laws where the, you know, the, the floodgates are opened up and they get tired of, you know, going after the richer people. And you know, and that, that's kind of how it plays out. Right. Cause I think the point, is, as you said, the technology is, is, has progressed to the point, And this is what the, the IP attorneys have told me. The technology is, it is there and it will just get better and better with each passing day to scan web pages and, and to find these things. Now the question will be, it costs, you know, there is a, a barrier to bring a lawsuit up against someone for copyright violation. Like if it's if it's you or I that has like a, a blog, there's nothing monetized on the blog, you know, there's no money being generated. The, the, the intent of this wasn't to, to redistribute this this image and make money off of it and things like that. Um, and, and right now, what I've been told by, by some of these um, attorneys is saying, you know, it, it's going to cost someone a thousand or two thousand dollars to bring a lawsuit. So, you know, and so there is this barrier to that. Um, so I guess what I was, tr was trying to get at, at that too is, um, you know, that is something that if someone is, is going to litigate or, or try to sue you for this, um, they're going to be putting some dollars in on their side um, as, a, you know, versus like these third party, you know, companies that just claim that they are representing, you know, a, co a copyright holder and they're not, they're just trying to extort you. But um, so I don't know for what, for, for what that was worth, but, you know, I, I think as you, as you said for, you know, an individual, it's probably unlikely, but what is most that you're going to be litigated against? What's likely though, is that these, these scrubbing, you know, software will find an image and you'll get notified of it and, and possibly tried to be extorted. And you can just do a quick internet search, you know, anybody when, when you're off of this and find examples of that. Um, and that's where you need to, to have some, some awareness and some due diligence of saying, you know, um, I'm, I'm being scammed, you know, with, with this. Um, so whether, you, you know, you're consulting with a, or, or contacting a lawyer with that or whatever, but I mean, I, just just as a word of caution, like if someone is saying, hey, like this image showed up in your, your website from two years ago or whatever, it's copyrighted, you owe us $900 and you have to send it in Bitcoin to this address in a foreign country. <laughs> and we only accept, you know, whatever, whatever during this time frame. Well, you know, there are numerous, obviously, red flags with that. Um, 
but but yeah and you're right like i don't know who to who would you go to on stuff like that you know whether whether it be police or whether it be like actually contacting an attorney and an ip attorney and putting a couple hundred bucks out there i mean yeah you know the police are just don't call 911 over it <laughs> as for you know legal stuff if it looks legit you know the eff is still taking you know they'll they'll uh, eff.org electronic fighting found oh gosh oh lordy have mercy brain fart eff.org at least I Electronic Frontier Foundation, basically a group of lawyers that try to navigate stuff. And they will give you some idea of what's going on. And then if you want to, you know, if you want, if you want very involved help, you'll probably have to, you know, pay something. Yeah. You can post that down. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Electronic Frontier Foundation. Because, because it's, you know. Um, so, so Bacon Maldito wrote, you know, what about back copyrights? Like if an image in one of your books or blogs somehow gets bought, your That's material much, sold. I think we had, we kind of talked yeah, about that. But. Yeah. If it's copyrighted, you know, if it, it doesn't matter what it is, if it's copyrighted and it's being distributed by you in some shape or form, that's infringement. If the system cares or not, there's no telling. And even if I if I if I bought that three years ago and it was, for example, in a public domain or whatever, it, I'm not it sure has, that there's any type of you know protection there. I'm not. I don't I'm think not there is. Sure, I don't. I, I don't. The perfect loopholes the system likes. Right. What I've what I've been informed of is you know if if you bought it at or if you used it at the time, well, if you bought it, you had a license, right? But if you use something that was in public domain three years ago, and between now and then, maybe the person who put it in public domain said, I don't want it in public domain anymore. Now I'm going to license it. And now if you're using it, and when you originally used it, it was public domain, but since has been licensed, it's upon you to check that that still is public domain, which is an incredible burden, right? So there has to be some relief in this process of well, saying... They're going to have to figure out if it's it's either public domain or it's not. There shouldn't be a way to move something from public domain to copyright. There should be a caveat of there's so much change that this thing is, you know, you have you know the, the a, you have two or three different types of Cthulhu board games, a couple different types of games. Because it's public domain, all these different rights owners can, you know, play with it. This, but it, but the original mythos should not be able to go back into that. That that just sounds like uh, turning back the clock, and that's never a good thing. Okay, we had, we had a clarification from uh, Bacon Maldio. He was asking back royalties, and I, I've heard that's, that. Right, that's on the. That's on the that depends on what the wind is blowing and if the sharks take the bait. So I've 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 heard of schools, for example, saying we we observe this on your website as of whatever. So like your royal your you do owe back royalties for this from like the date that it went up. Well, so are they legitimate or are they not legitimate? Well, right. That's the thing. Is this is this third party company and then you know some of these have been resolved also not only taking it down, but then finding the original image and paying yeah. to license the image for like ten dollars well, you know, nebulous you know the the license 
works for certain things, but not other things. And some of that gets, you know, put up and misused, but it's a mess. Right, right. It it is a mess. And, you know, so it's good to have these discussions because again, you know, as, as Phil Henry, you know, pointed out, um, we don't have, um, we, we, we don't educate people about creative commons, about, um, really even basic about copyright, oh, trademark, patent. There should be a course, right? <laughs> I mean, there should be, this should be a course that is required just as, you know, people have to take a history or a civics requirement like this. Four hours, three or four times a year or every other year for high school, you know, just. Right. I mean, I, I have courses I had to take, um, you know, once a year for different reporting requirements for like state things or whatever. And it seems like this should be not to add into it though, but there should be some required if you're working in business or, or anything, thing where you might be interfacing with intellectual property, which is almost any job, right? But you should have some course in this, right? Or if, or if you're like the technology director at a company or something, there should be some required level of training. And maybe even that then gets into then more of like an amnesty or more like you're providing awareness because as you've said right now, it's like goalposts are moving all over the place. You know, who's... It, judges will be making decisions on whatever comes forth and what what not. It's it's and then it's they'll fuck it up to the higher courts, and the higher courts will take you know ten years to figure it out. I know. I talked with one. I talked with one um, IP attorney, and so we we're talking about the schools and stuff like that. I said, "Yeah, it's really unlikely, you know, that that this will probably be an issue with a school." But he said, "It could be. And there could be one school that." You know, somebody decides to make an example out of and and they go after them and, you know, end up with a massive, um, you know, either settlement or something. You know, that was a that was a thing in schools years ago, like schools would use like protocols, for example, for for test. And then they would run out of one and they, they would go and photocopy it because they they ordered 30 and there were 31 students. And then they got sued and they got sued for like big money, you know, like huge for the for copywriting and and yes you can understand but you can also understand like the circumstances of you're giving everybody this test and you run out of a whatever because you just had two students move in or something but um but yeah so so you know of course in, in lawyer speak you know it's like one of these things of well it's unlikely but yes someone could be fingered you know like in in napster limewire they could point to someone you know who lives in indiana and Whatever and say. Well, the um, I, I almost want to call it white hackers. Basically, that it's quasi legal or legal, but they're basically you know hunting. You know, you know they they're able to actually use the how they are able to use the file sharing service to be able to. Uh, get the information and then backlog it to uh, ISPs because some ISPs openly give that data out to the IP owners. So Comcast and others are, uh, if you, you, you get a lot of uh, cease and desists. For right. and, that's, and, and you're, you're right. And that's the point I think that, 
I see it both sides, right? I see a cease and desist, but I also see like people are instantly sued and, and without a cease and desist or an amnesty option, especially if they're just small, if like they just have a blog or they're like, you know, at least be like YouTube, give me the chance to take this down. I'm, you know. Yeah. But YouTube's doing that on their own accord, which is kind of, well, at least in some ways they are trying, you know, Twitch did kind of, but then again, I wonder if there was some sort of backroom deal with the music industry. Cause for a couple years, you know, Twitch, you know, had that old embassy thing going and then they no longer have it. It almost seems like a license deal ran out. And now it's, you know, they're going after all the music they can. But that makes sense. Oh, uh, you know, Red, it doesn't protect them against copyright infringement. That's you know, Red uh, Crusader, um, our friend in Ohio, made a made a point of saying, you know, if you're an LLC, um, you know, that's different than being an in individual. So, you know, as far as like, if you're if you're going to be sued for yeah your blog or here, here I guess here's what I here's what I see Lee. Like I know I know people I know people. 30 minutes for me who make $8,000 a month on their YouTube channel. Like, and so I think when you start to have that type of revenue, <laughs> that also makes you much more on the radar. Yeah. And that's kind of one of my points is if you, if you somehow, you know, tap into trade, you know, trade's going to happen regardless of big business, regardless of businessmen. If you tap into that and, you know, have some sort of incremental thing going back to the IP owner, they're getting money. You know, everybody's getting money from, from, you know, trade, but the way we have it now is it's just so lopsided. Right. That it makes it, you know, that because the system's so vague that it just starts killing off small business because, well, it's legal. Yeah. Some of the stuff I read, you know, it was like, you know, a small business who that had put, um, an image on a, I don't know, flyer or something like that. And, you know, they ended up, you know, being sued for five, $10,000 or something. Um, but, but yeah, I, I, you're, you know, we talked about this before too. I think there's this whole aspect of people are going to become very hesitant to create content also, um, or, or else if you create content, what will be the motivation to create, sellable content when there's not a good way to sell it <laughs> you and, know you know fan projects get would get shot down with much more nukes from orbit i mean it's bad enough on fan projects whenever they pop up they get c and d's but at least they can kind of exist in the background but this absolute control over distribution is just hurting the generation the generation of new trade Right. Right. Yeah. Wow. But definitely amnesty will would be a way eh, between amnesty and fair expanding fair use a little bit, or at least right. have some sort of hard time rule. That would, that no, would you're right, Lee, right? Because we have we have bankruptcy, right? Bankruptcy law. No, I'm not trying, but I'm just saying, like, you would think that if you 
in in today's i mean nobody imagined right 20 years ago that you know right. you'd be able to do what we're doing right now that that uh, even like a one-time amnesty declaration should maybe be in the works for someone who's deemed you know a a, a small whatever uh, individual uh, entity uh, or something. it's a small whatever i don't think it's worth because there's so many of them but then again the system might decide that because there's so many of them they take priority over the middle uh, webs within webs but yeah i think there's something to that though i think i, I think there would be be some sense that would be almost some amnesty um because yeah otherwise something right. a little bit more than okay the judge looks at it okay dismissed i mean if it has to go to court it's costing us so much money to adjudicate it no no it it is i mean it is yeah that's and that that was one thing um you know when i was getting information for my my courses the attorneys were saying yeah you know if they're bringing this forward on the other side they've invested a few thousand dollars already in it not including, you know, the time it's going to take in a court and, you know, courts are already backlogged, you know, because of, of shutdown in person stuff with coronavirus. So, but I mean, just, just in the big picture, right. As a, as a court system, how much of this should constitute what courts deal with? I mean, cause this could become 50% of what courts deal with, um, Easily. Under the right circumstance, or under certain circumstances, of the more they're able to find it, the more you know, the more they see wells. That's it. So the more that they can find it, and you know, and find in, in what's out there, so then it, it becomes. And then the courts are going to be like what a lot of police do with pot. I see nothing, nothing. I think you're right. I see. I think I I agree with you. I, I agree with you. Lee. I think there's going to have to be like, well, yeah. Right. You know, if you're caught with whatever, you know, amount of marijuana, yeah. then it's it's not going to be a prosecutable thing. And I think it's I think you're right on to make well, it we're trying to legalize pot nationwide. And then, you know, the states can deal with it, which is, you know what, moving forward, we're, it's progress. Right. Because you can't you would cripple a system by having all of these, these cases brought into it, it would grind it well, that's to a halt. Pretty much every victimless, every, you know, law that is based around victimless crime. I so, hate to say that. I mean, there are other ways to deal with addicts like public safety and, you know, insanity and things like that. There are ways to deal with it, but we want to criminalize, criminalize jails and bullets are only going to dig us deeper into debt. Right. No, I mean, it's, it's a terrific point. And, and I think it's, it's really an awesome point considering where we started in this discussion to come up at the end of saying, you know, this probably will, or at least logically could track the way of like decriminalizing small amounts of controlled substances because of the fact also that um, it would occupy so much of your uh, resources for court systems and, and enforcement. Right. Um that it it simply would not, um, it, it wouldn't have a cost benefit return to society on it. I that's, mean, if that's one of the things, law, uh, like with big business, big government, just you know, it tries to spend its way out of problems 
at some point, sooner or later, you're just going to have to let people do what they do and try and figure out the best way to let them do that without, you know, spending yourself into, you know, into a hole. Well, right. Cause yeah, yeah. You're, you're right on with that. And I know that's another a whole other rabbit hole, but it's kind of all, all the same. We make things so complicated and then wonder why they're so complicated. Right. Right. Yeah. This, uh, yeah, this is, this is intriguing, um, you know, to kind of think long game on this and, and, you know, the, the short part, at least to my knowledge, again, I'm not a lawyer, I'm not representing as, as that I have special well, legal knowledge, but, but it was also, if you are contacted to try to settle on this by a third party of saying terrifying. like you're fined, you know, you need to heavily scrutinize that or oh, yes. to, to have a professional because otherwise um, this isn't like, um, how should I say this? This isn't it, like something you get sent from a creditor. Right. This isn't something also like you're, you, you get something saying, Hey, like you, you went through this traffic light and we have the, the picture of your license plate and whatever. And here it is from the police department where, you know, there's a number on it when you, you can call and verify and all this other stuff. But um, so, so I want to make people aware of this because I think, I think a lot of people are being extorted um, by this, by this process um, right now of these, these third parties who are claiming that they are the enforcers of this. And, um, and, and I know, I mean, that's, that's what the IP attorneys are telling me and, and I'm hearing it from other people too. Um, so be very, very aware of that and do your due diligence, or even if you have family or friends or whatever, um, because if someone's like, Hey, you know, whatever, and you're paid $1,200 to us and we'll be all good. You need to look more into that. <laughs> Um, and you've given some links and, and some access and, and some things to do that. And I don't know. I mean, it's a good discussion because um, I think one of the cases, I don't know if you and I talked about it, but I found one. It was like a church that had had a, an image they put on their bulletin a couple of years ago. And then um, they were they were um, sued for copyright infringement for using this picture of like a sunny day or something on the front of their church bulletin. And... Anyway, I don't know how that ended up or anything like that, but it was it was kind of you know weird because um, yes, I guess it is copyrighted, right? But it seems that there should be some amnesty provision put in there, and you know I guess people could argue, well, you don't have amnesty for you know speeding, like if you're over the limit, and you could say I don't, I didn't know, I just merged on this road. Well, you know, you know, the, the, well, this is more about speeding, but you're going to go for the before the judge and explain your situation. And that's, you know, that's basically the same thing that we're doing with, you know, copyright infringement. It comes down to, well, you'll either get lost in the system. So you never have to worry about it, or you have to go before a judge. Right. We kind of need a better, you know, we need a better system so we could, you know, just pay to get on the toll bridge and, you know, Make money as we move. That's the whole thing about trade. It has to keep moving, has to keep cycling. Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Otherwise, yeah, everything gets stagnant. And, um, and that's kind of how, you know, Hollywood is stagnating because all it can think, all it can think about is trying to maximize its profit. So all it can think is remakes. 
Right. This creates, you know, a, not a diminutive return, but a depreciative return to content quality because they have so much money, they can just focus on gambling, on gambling on what they create in the hopes that it will generate more money, which is kind of how that goes, but they're kind of doing it the backwards. Yeah. Because, you know, they're, they're gambling on, you know, if this will make, you know, a lot of money versus gambling on if it'll make some money. They put, you know, all their eggs in one basket, in a sense, because they spend so much on films. And even video games now, nowadays are easily, you know, 50, 100 million. And they're trying to, you know, big companies like EA and Ubisoft are trying to churn out a game a year that normally took three or four years to make. So, yeah, being a you know, game developer is great, but that crunch time will. I wonder how many people go, you know, apply for disability after that, how many years they last, because that can't. You're going to wind up, you know, getting broke by the system and then and then what? But that's yet another rabbit hole. Yeah, it's just Wow. Well, Lee, I'm gonna I'm gonna wrap it up. It's been it's been a, a incredibly insightful show, um, touching a lot of areas of IP, intellectual property IP. Sorry uh, for and, and rambling discussion, and and no, I, I I appreciate it. we had a, a, um, thanks to Red, um, SAS, Mictibus, uh, Bacon in the chat. This has really been this has really been uh, a, a very thoughtful show. So. Um, any anything you want to, um, you know, any of your own material or where people can find you, Lee? Anything? Uh, let's see. Uh, let's see. Um, I've got the two uh, channels on YouTube: uh, Disrange and uh, Zippy DSM Lee. Uh, Destrange is for uh, political and social commentary. Z Zippy DSM leads for uh, just you know general you know media content creation. Uh, I've got both uh, Zippy DSM Lee and Zippy Destrange on Minds.com, the quote unquote rival to Twitter. Twitter doesn't like my word soup. Neither does Patreon. Wow. Good. What I'm going to do is um, I'm going to wrap things up then. So we've had a discussion on intellectual uh, property. So you can go back. I'll do a blog post for this. That'll be out in a few days. And we'll be touching again. You know, what is IP? What are the problems with intellectual property? <laughs> um, you know, if, if you've got a, a, a blog, a podcast, um, anything out there where you might include intellectual property, property, you know, what you need to be thinking about. Also the extortion process that's happening, um, ways, ways that this whole IP mess um, can be resolved, I guess, to be improved down the road. Um, and, you know, and, and, and just having those discussions um, of, of, you know, what might this look like even five, 10 years down, down the road? Cause we are headed toward, you know, some more substantial, um, conflicting interest in IP, um, you know, between creators, between, you know, third party um, trying to 
to jump in and, and kind of referee or, or take some some money out of this system. And so, Lee, thank you so much for all the work you've done with you for making having. this your area of, of interest because I I knew very limited about this until you started to send me emails and we had talks about this. Okay. So, all right. Anything else there from Tennessee with our good friend Lee Jarvis? Uh, right now, uh, Destrange is getting a little bit more activity because I'm not I'm not fully up to. I'm organizing my trailer so I can concentrate full time on streaming and creativity and stuff. So the Destrange stuff is a little Destrange. Okay. And Red is asking, which one are you posting to more Zippy? Uh, I'm posting more to Zippy to Strange. Okay. I don't have a Zippy DSM Lee up to full, up to full steam yet, but I'm trying to. I'll okay. be on. Oh, I also got Twitch for both of them for Zippy DSM Lee and Zippy to Strange, but I'm not really on Twitch as of yet. Oh, wait. My Zippy Destiny is already there. I'm a dumbass. <sighs> Look at this. Let's see. I'm have to switch accounts, but. Oh, wait. No, well, it's there, but it doesn't g easily give you links unless you're logged in. Okay. Your channel. Okay. Or, yeah, like. All right, here we go. Okay. So that's the strange. Let's see. Uh, YouTube has a discussion thing where you can post. When you also can comment on that, and I can look you up through. Um, whatever you want. Uh, I'll take, I'll go back on Twitter with one of my backup accounts. I don't really like using Twitter. I just, I'm done with trying to navigate that mess, but we can talk. I, okay. And the need somebody to, you know, keep me you know focused. Cause I kind of like to ramble. Uh. Yeah. Bacon's indicating he's having some problems with the searches, but I think what you can do is you can send me some yeah, links and I'll, yeah. I can post those. That's odd. Because um, it seems like Mictibus is, is successfully able to find those. Um, so, Let's and, paste and go. And, oh, yeah, it's, it's, oh, wait, I'm logged in. I'm not exactly. Uh, log off, sign out. Yeah, I'm signed out, and that link is working. Okay. Yeah, I I don't know what it I don't know what's going on here, but so, all right. Well, you know, like they want to curate, curate, curate the searches. It's it's very difficult to find, and you can't even sort playlists by play date anymore because they want to curate the, all the information. Drives me crazy when I want to watch, you know, some history stuff in order, like you know, the Great War or. Daniel right. Cliff, the um, boat war guy. Yeah, yeah. no, I know. What, yeah, I know what you're saying. I've had that happen a couple of times too. Um, 
and even some YouTube series stuff that didn't get put under a playlist. It's like, nice to um, play them, you know, when they're when they're released because all the little side comments you can kind of keep up with. If it's out of order, right? Oh, <laughs> where can I find the side comment? Oh, I know. Crazy. I know. I remember what was it a couple of years ago? iTunes said remove all of the numbers from your shows or what you. We're going to boot them off. So I went in and did that. And I know some people who didn't. And, and then iTunes just backed down. And But I'm like, oh, if I don't put a date on it or something, I need, I need people to more easily reference, you know, because I have 153 episodes. I can't really say it's that episode about, <laughs> I mean, I have the one IP episode, but, um, but yeah, it's kind of a weird, it's a weird system out there. Um, episodes will have the so. show number in the title. They don't have to know. <laughs> so, you know, one of, the, one of the things, though, I, I, I've taken away from this is I'm teaching another um, uh, school legal class in spring. And I am going to specifically note to school administrators, work with your tech people and put together some type of basic IP training for your staff because staff now have web pages. Students have web pages like right through the schools. And employees some, have web pages and employees well, get in trouble with employers. All right. Yeah. And some of that is a little more defined like in their policies, but you're but you're right. Like um and I, I think to to overtly indicate here's the training, here's when we had it, um because this is becoming more and more common. Um, you know, scrubbers finding things and so forth and schools getting notified. And, and just in general, like, shouldn't people know this? Shouldn't staff and shouldn't kids know this as they go out? Because, you know, pretty much all employers want to, you know, in, you know, people to interact with social media and everybody has a Facebook page for a, a business. So all of a sudden you get hired as at a business <laughs> as an intern and you're posting copyrighted images or something that, you know, you're not aware of. And, it just seems like it's a common knowledge thing, kind of like CPR and AED and stuff like that. Like we've come into an age of everybody should have a minimum level of training in IP. Um, and then I think with deep fakes, it's also going to be very essential to to have I some deep fakes. That deep fakes will have some sort of mandatory law that has to state what they are. Because even in like five years' time, technology should balance off a bit more where it's easier to create a a fake person. Well, you can do it right now. Little Michaela that Calvin Klein had out there. But in real time. I'm talking about in real time. Yeah. I, I would I would say, you know, one, two years away from that, being able to do that. But we you know, it can it can kind of be done now, but it's not quite on the fly. But the more easier it gets to do, the more we'll have of it. This the more the greater chance that law will be created. Right. Yeah, that gets to be a whole other set. And then you know, what is what is IP for? For yeah, something like that. And um, uh, yeah, I don't so liability much. might not be enough to you know a libel. I mean. Well, liability and libel. I mean, my lord, it's kind of a well. You could quagmire. Right, you could create a deep fake that would, you know, could tell people to harm themselves. Right, a, a deep fake of, um, you well, know, that, that was something I was arguing in my PBS presentation. You know, what if, what if uh, 
somebody does create an avatar that gets a million followers and the avatar is telling everyone to, you know, harm themselves. That pretty much goes against general TOS. It's more like the, I think the little things are far more invasive than the more overt things. Because, well, we all know about China's, you know, fake uh, newsmen. Yeah. yeah. So we kind of, we kind of know about the bigger stuff, but it's the smaller stuff that, makes me wonder that just as it happens more and more and more that we will probably need some sort of law for it, which isn't unreasonable. It's just the lawmakers are dumb. Right. Yeah. Yeah. For me, I'm, I'm pretty amazed at deep fakes that, you know, not it's like California has legislation and then Congress had their first hearing in 2019. And, and, as I've talked to people in the intelligence community, they're like, whoa, like, you know, this, we should have been having these discussions, you know, five years ago, if not earlier, because this is rapidly developing. Um, but, but yeah, I, I think then that also is going to bring up this whole aspect of IP for avatar creations for deep fakes. At that time, I think we'll have a, a floodgate halfway open. Something will have to ha happen because the the momentum of that will be through the roof, right? I mean, it'll, um, and then it not only becomes IP, it becomes protecting your own identity, right? Like your your protection of who you are as a person. I mean, isn't it like um, the, the video games? I don't, know, I don't know if there's a legal definition, but if you become somewhat of a public personality, there, well, no, I guess that's for just uh, politicians. They they don't necessarily have absolute control over their image and whatnot. Public right. public figures. It's but the I, um, but I still think actresses and whatnot. They have you know very much control over their image right. and whatnot. So it, of course it would be the same, pretty much the same for average people. But I mean, right? You could. You, you could use this though to create something where it looks like somebody said something or a position they didn't, and they could be terminated from their employer. I mean, we've seen that already, where somebody's you know has as um, a, a video that's on you know YouTube or something, and their employer says you know we are separating employment with you because you've posted this video or or Facebook image or you're at this protest or whatever. And we've seen that, like that is that's happened. But what if this is happening and it's not authentic? How deep are they going into checking it to verifying it? You know, like what if you had a pretty good video of a teacher who was saying some things, you know, that were very anti-student and controversial and the teacher's like, I never said that, but it's a video of the teacher and they don't have any other video. You know, there's, there isn't a simultaneous video where they can say, well, look at this video. It's like, this is actually what I was saying. This is what I was doing. I and you could do that with people in custody cases. I think divorces in custody cases. When I talk to attorneys, they bring that up. They're like, oh, this will be the next thing. You know, you'll you'll get one parent will take this against another parent and say, look what they said or look what they did. Well, Alexa's recording you, so <laughs> your um, sweeper bot's recording you. <laughs> Vacuum robot. Well, 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 right. Yeah, yeah. All of All of that stuff, but you know, that, that was a question of, you know, where it wasn't a question, but it was saying this will probably be playing out in courts, like in, in um, like divorce courts and things like that of, of one, you know, 
one party trying to claim that the other either said or, or did certain well, things and using deep fakes. Falsely accused, and then you know a few years later, well, we were wrong. Well, my right. life was ruined. Because when or you know to you know this is this is not between y you and government as as much as you and a business. That's right. The government is going to have to some way, shape, and form have some sort of well, okay. This was fake, so you cannot hold them accountable for this because this was fake. That might be something that will be coming into law in the next 10 years. It would be nice if it happened to government, you know, oh, we're sorry we're screwed up your life. Here's a couple million. <sighs> well, yeah, I mean, who, I, I mean, you're, you're right. I mean, all of this stuff is, is, is going to have to be kind of worked, you know, worked out. Um, but, but here's the thing. So, like, I asked school administrators, I said, if somebody came to you, a student came to you with a video, and they said, this is a video of a teacher example, you know, saying inappropriate things during class or around the school in that school context or whatever, what would you do? And they're like, well, we put the teacher on leave and all this stuff. And I said, how would you verify that this is accurate information? And they're like, well, we'd show it to our tech people. I'm like, Dear, would your tech people really be able to figure that out? They're like, probably not. Like, the we'd have to maybe don't really do you know images and video anymore. Well, that's it. And so, what if it's what if it's something that's not to the point where you know it's a threat, but it's something that is 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 against school policy or 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 it could be an employer, right? You could show an employee swearing, an employee swearing, like in front of just a random. Just something that they might have said, but they never said it. Right, and something, yeah. Or they, they're they're talking negatively about like a, a coworker, and someone says, "Here, they're creating a hostile work environment," and they show this video, and the person's like, "Okay, that is me in that context, but this isn't what I said." The thing is, like, the employer's HR department—they're not going to be able to filter that out. And we're as not, I've talked to police, they don't have the means to filter these things out. Yeah, they we don't. Really, we don't have the cyber police or even the cyber lawyers to deal with cyber crimes and that's going to be the new thing for the next 20 30 years oh man you're right god you i mean you are so you are so right and because i said you know like how would you do this and they're like this would this would take a team this if you know this stuff is more sophisticated than than what you think but what happens now people get put on administrative leave and separated employment. A single person could do it. It'd take, you know, 10, 20 times as long, but someone who's very dedicated at it could probably do it themselves. Well, yeah, that's the thing. You you could do these, these what I would call hit pieces, which could destroy people's careers and also, you know, the family impact and stuff like that. And, and I don't, and the thing is to try to authenticate that you have to prove yourself not guilty is how the, I mean, we, that, we see that happening, right? We see, Oh, this is the video that came out and someone shot it from across the road with a camera and people run with it. Like the media runs with it and whatever. Just think if it was more precise that was put together through either deep fake or some engineer, because yeah, I'm, if this person is out of the workplace, it's better for me. I mean, I'm just saying these these things happen. Like we see crazy things, or especially politicians. Um, of, of it doesn't help that how it's going to to play out in political realm where 
you're you're going to see stuff and it's not going to be authentic. I mean, we already there, there's already stuff out there like we've seen that it's been made overt saying this is a deep fake of you know whatever. Yeah. But you can remove those layers, and and if you start to go after everyday people, and well, again, this is where intellectual property I think needs to show so many numbers that they're going to. They would probably have to start, you know, tracking and logging more of our, you know, usage to be able to deal with cybercrime. Privacy? What's that? Is it tasty? Yeah. Yeah, no, I see. And what you've said, Lee, has brought us to the point of really this becomes um, IP ultimately is going to revert back to an individual at some level of saying, you know, what is your own intellectual property versus if people start taking images of you, photos of you, other things, and start manipulating those. Um, uh, inherent, you know, inherent copyrights or inherent intellectual property rights. Because it'd be nice if you owned your own DNA. <laughs> No kidding. Well, it's like any other quote-unquote code. You could copyright it, but you would have to go through the motions. It's not inherent. So a corporation can, you'll get your DNA and copyright it. And I think that's happened before. I'm not sure how the court cases have played out. Man, I'm trying to find this clip I, I had taken from some Russian uh, video where and I did have, that's the one where I had like 26 seconds, but that's, um, I can't find it anyway, but anyway, they took still images, right. Of, of like Einstein, for example, like five yeah. photographs and then they animated and made it look like he was like saying something from these yeah. five still images. And then they actually did it with the painting, like the Mona Lisa, they took it and made it appear like the Mona Lisa was speaking, but, but it, as you said, I think IP is going to branch. It's going to branch very much, right? Even back to the individual very quickly. I, I wonder if we'll ever get a real movement to questioning what we see. It seems, it feels like the way Twitter and Facebook and the way everybody's acting, it feels like what you see must be real. And that is yes. extremely scary. People yeah, should what you see always all yep. Yeah, that's exactly it. And and um, what you see is all there is. And, and where does this go when we get down the road of 10 years from now, you know, holographic, you know, presentations and stuff? I mean. Yeah, I haven't um, seen any holographs. Holograph system is worth a darn, but. But I mean, eventually, though, like it would get there, right? I mean, it would get there down the road. I mean, this would be a point where. Oh, you know, like with image technology, you know, manipulating Einstein's photo and whatnot, you'll have that done with, you know, real time 3D, super hyper realistic models. And it's kind of able to be done through, you know, a couple bits of software. Of course, you'll need one heck of a rig to run it, but. It's doable, it's quick, and but you know, that's at least you know 15, 20 years away, I'd think. Right. Which is which is in our lifetime too. I mean, so it's it everything you think about today, and as you've talked about for IP, you know, we're already behind the game in IP, right? But where are we gonna be in 
in another, you know, 10 years when people start to get this stuff. It's going to be absolutely nuts. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it's, it's just going to be crazy. No, it's only going to be more nuts. Well, what, what doesn't kill you makes you nuttier. So it, with that, buddy, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to wrap up this show. All right. Um, but Lee, thank you so much um, for no problem. Enlightening us. Um, great, great discussion here on intellectual um, property and, I'll be excited to put the blog post together and get that out there for people. And, and, you know, please share with me any links, just email them to me. I'll make sure I get them in the in blog post and everybody. Uh, thank you for listening to the show. I greatly appreciate it. Um, thank you. Yeah. For subscribing, for sharing the show. Uh, the show's increased um, by about 40% in subscribers um, in 2020. Uh, so that's, that's really been amazing. And actually the, the number of episodes that get played and, and um, older episodes that are getting a lot of views have really increased significantly just in the last maybe three, four months. So um, it's been, and it's all because of everybody, you know, on, on the right-hand side, sharing, subscribing, making people you know aware of it. So I greatly appreciate that. Again, as, as a disclosure, um, you know, Lee and I are not attorneys. This wasn't about legal advice, which we said at the start. Um, and, you know, you should always, you know, take this type of information with, with due diligence and, and, you know, work with any legal if, if um, you know, you're seeking to learn more or, or to take action based upon intellectual, you know, property. But this does give you some terminology to understand. Um, it does give you like, a, you know, some, some good cognitive debate to, to kind of move around in your mind and, and kind of think about things which you've done. In intellectual property, it's it's been a bit of a, a definitely a scholarly show with you know some some even prophetic type of um, you know statements in it, and so I've really enjoyed it. Like <laughs> this is a really it kept a, use. so, and I I did see over here um, it just popped up on my screen that the Green Bay Packers have defeated the Tennessee Titans by a score of forty to fourteen. Um, at Lambeau Field in the snow, and uh, the Titans fall to ten and five. Green Bay improves to twelve and three, so it's kind of big news here in the land of. Geez, My day is listening to one hundred two point three uh, FM in Chattanooga. I don't remember the Titans ever winning much, so I don't know, Lee. Close to you, the, right there, the Titans. Um, and yep, Tennessee forty to four. Tennessee's a good team. Um, so Green Bay really had an outstanding. Outstanding game, apparently, uh, right here, forty to fourteen. But, uh, but yeah, it's kind of funny. I just it, it just popped up and it has some highlights and the snows on the field. So, I just um, it's it just kind of a scene for those of you. You know, I'm in Wisconsin, obviously, so snow's not that uncommon to me. But if it, if you're in a warm weather climate, to see a snow covered professional football field is is pretty interesting. So. All right, everybody. Money if it's like a foot deep. That I would. That 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 I would be interested in seeing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like a foot. Yeah, a foot deep, and everybody's throwing snowballs at you. I think they had that in a game like at the New York Giants one time, where people were throwing snowballs, and they someone was trying to kick like a field goal, and they kept throwing snowballs and knocking the ball off. And um, one time when I was at a game, so I was at a game at Lambeau Field. I went to every home game in the nineties, including playoffs. And, um, I was at a game. There was a guy 
not too far from where I was sitting, yeah, which was, I, I was like row 42 and whatever section is always the same thing. And then, but um, there was some dude who stood up with a football and threw it onto the field during a play. <laughs> and and uh, it didn't interfere with anything, but he immediately got taken out by security. And, you know, that was back in the days when security was pretty, pretty lax. I mean, I remember going to the stadium when they used to hand out cigarettes <laughs> when you'd go in. <laughs> but, um, oh, dear Lord, those are probably used to boxes of cigarettes. And, and that, I mean, that was years ago. That was probably back in the 80s. But, um, but yeah, I remember this this dude throwing this football out there and he immediately and um I also remember like you'd get there early and you could go watch the players kind of warm up and be up on the the fence, like right, right in, in front of the seats. And there was there was some dude who, who was putting a sign up and you know, whatever, go packers. And he pulls out this huge knife, I mean, like an 18-inch blade knife, and he's cutting duct tape and he's taping this sign up. And, you know, back then, right. Nobody made a deal of it. Oh, no, you know, liability, lawyers. It was back in the day when, you know, there was, you know, when people didn't flinch about liability issues. It was crazy. You know, yeah, you think it's some of, you know, personal responsibility would deal with at least 80% of things or maybe 70% of things. You know, the uh, stadium or whatnot, they can do some things, but. You know, I mean, yeah, back then, I mean, there was, there was, you know, you just went in the stadium. You weren't padded down. And I don't, I mean, I didn't even know there might have been I don't even remember security, like at the entrances, you just kind of went through it. You had your ticket and they ripped it in half. And, but, um, I'm strange. But, it's strange. And if they can do that nowadays with as much as they charge for tickets. Yeah. I had, I had, I remember my, some of my tickets were like $22. <laughs> I mean, I, th I think I had a stack that I kept. Um, and I, by the end of the nineties, it was maybe like 40 bucks, but you know, now it's be hundreds of dollars. And, um, I don't, it was funny too, because, you know, I went, I remember games before they had jumbotrons when they just had a scoreboard up on each end zone. And that was it. I mean, all you knew was the score and the yards and, but that was, no, that was it. Do rules based off the video. There was no, there was, there was zero video in the first at Lambeau field, the first, um, jumbotron they got used from somewhere and they put it up and it was basically like the size of a garage door and, and everybody we thought it was awesome right because whoa and I, I, today i mean it'd be laughed at you know it was you know grainy and small and stuff because now they've got you know this this what you know it's 80 foot by 30 foot high on each end high definition and in which they're going to replace by the way and going with even like a larger one but but i remember i lee i remember we were so excited because one season, this might've been like back in 1995 or something, they put in an out of town scoreboard on the, in the stadium. And all it was is it just had like NO New Orleans versus like TB Tampa Bay and the score in the quarter. <laughs> and that was it, like just abbreviation. And we're like, Oh my God, this is so awesome. Like, I can't believe we get out of, but as you didn't have cell phones back then. So you really had no idea what was happening around the league. And um, it was, you know, it, it's just so funny to think about today, you know, all these high definition graphics come up. Everybody has a phone. Everybody knows exactly what's happening in every game. And um, but I, I remember like that out of town scoreboard was just the biggest thing. Like, you know, it was unbelievable. So I don't know. I'm, I'm, uh, it was kind of it was it was some fascinating stuff, you know, going to games. Um, uh, yeah. Back then.
but I don't know. So, and yeah, I drive, I've, I've driven past that stadium in, in uh, Nashville. So, um, a couple times. So, but anyway, all right. So we got to start thinking super bowl, super. Uh, I remember some bacon road. I remember some guy with a beach ball, at Dodgers game, trying to get the crowd to do some chant. Dude got tackled by security. Yeah, that'd be, that'd be bad. Lakers played in the Great Western Forum. Oh, God, yeah, the Great Western Forum in Los Angeles. Um, this planet really needs to be hit with a massive solar flare that permanently knocks out all electronics. Well, what is TLDW? What does it stand too for? Long, probably too long to read. Didn't watch of the episode, this planet. Oh, Mictibus, is that? Are you mad at us? Or is this? We're, are we okay here, buddy? What's going on? No, they're just saying that technology has kind of made us dumber. Oh, too long. Didn't watch. Ah, I'm not hip on all the new fangled. <laughs> that I forgot. Oh, okay. There he is. No, we're good. So, yeah, I don't know. I just, I, I just, I remember very vividly going to those games, you know, at Lambeau Field before. And now it's like it seats 81,000, but, you know, it seats nobody right now, right? It's just the players. But, um, you know, back then the stadium was like 56,000. It was just this original bowl, how it had kind of been constructed. And there was a, there was a certain charm to that, a certain nostalgia. Um, and and to be able also to say, like, I went to games there before they had Jumbotrons. Before, you know, they just there, – there is a certain lost quality to that. Um, I don't know. It doesn't probably have anything to do with IP, but I think, I, I, I think people are a little bit more wound up. They're a little bit more worried about liability. They're a little bit worried about how randomly odd the world is. And it yeah. reflects in, you know, the stadiums and even the festivals and, Oh yeah. Yeah. No, no. Yeah. All of that stuff is right is so so measured you know and you have it i remember i went to training camp with my family a couple of years ago and you know it's it just it wasn't really worth it um i mean because i'm also baselining it back to you know i remember when you could just kind of go up to the players and talk to them i mean i literally would go in with my college friends and we'd go to training camp and you just wait for the players to cross the road and you could just walk right up to them and talk with them for a few minutes and whatever and you know there More was you know, celebrity status it's just getting harder and harder to do stuff like that you know now there's this you know multi-fence layer that they you know they go through and all of that and which i, I they probably they probably put the players through you know the the, the high-end boxes you know go and meet and greet the rich people yeah yeah i don't i don't know it's it's a whole a i guess i have a game kind of burned out on a lot of the sports stuff. I mean, yeah, I'm glad Green Bay is winning and stuff like well, that. It's but. A, you know, it's another, you know, too big to fail commercialized mess. Right. It's all the, um, like with gaming, the indie stuff seems to be a little bit more interesting and innovative than the super high-end AAA, AAA content. Yeah. Man, I don't know. It's crazy. I guess it's touchdown. 
Lee Jarvis, touchdown, Tennessee Titans. It's fourth of the day. It's in the third quarter. Lee, I am wishing you a good night. Um, thanks again for being a guest here on the Safe Dog Podcast. If you haven't subscribed, please do so. For those of you listening, please tell your friends that have a YouTube account. Subscribe. We are going to crush that 300 mark, which is pretty cool, um, considering we were about 200 here at the start of the year. And then, um, yeah, go and like, share. Can there's 153 episodes. Or every episode has a podcast or a, a audio podcast version on safetyphd.com. Um, so, you know, you can download load that, and that also is leveled. So, you know, they, they typically have good audio, except maybe the first 10 or 15. But um, And then there's a blog post, which is about a three-minute read, which goes along with this. So if you're like, hey, I wanted to go back and pull out a couple of the main points from this, you'd easily be able to do that. And, um, and yeah, just... Thank you for the work um, that you've, you know, done in promoting the show and um, take care, everybody. And Lee, so it hope you had a good time, Lee. Boosted. What now? Hope you had a good time. Oh, yeah, I did. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Good. All right, buddy. Well, I will uh, catch you on the flip side, as they say, and take care in Tennessee. You too. This is the Safety Doc Podcast out here from the North Star Recording Studio. This has been the Safety Doc Podcast with author, radio show host, and leading safety expert, Dr. David Perodin. Remember to check back each week for the latest, best, and most bizarre practices in safety preparation and crisis response. You can find Dr. Perodin on Twitter at SafetyPhD. And remember, the truth will keep you safe.